Hello, hello. Hi. Hi, Maddie. How's it going? I'm Travis. I'm I'm and obviously I'm Brent, Grand House Zombie. Yeah, we are so excited to have you here. It's it's borderline ridiculous. So if <laughs> if we get if we get too uh too crazy for you, just tell us to back up. Oh my down. god. It's and so mutual. I'm so excited to both be enjoying a cocktail and talking about this fun thing I did. Excellent. Excellent. So we are in a perfect, perfect place. <laughs> um so we do a kind of a little bit of a warm-up, kind of a pregame, just kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, get the bullshit out. Yeah. Whatever's whatever's kind of going on. So can you see the lightning behind me? That happens with Travis a lot. There's a lot of lightning behind Travis. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but that seems to happen out there. But it Ominous. looks great. It I'm, looks a demi- great. I'm, a, I'm a demigod. What can I say? <laughs> That's one um, piece of it is. Yeah, exactly right. Look at us. We're all in uniform. Look at us. We are. It's unusual. <laughs> it is unusual. It's unusual. It looks good. Oh, that wasn't coordinated? Uh, well, kind of. Kind of. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Normally, Ricky and I podcast without shirts on, and it's actually cool enough, to, uh, warm enough to do it. But out of respect for our first-time guests, we won't do that to you. <laughs> also, our first day of actual winter, I'd say it was like 55 degrees this morning, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. What is this, Norway? Right? Where are you calling from? Half of us are in Louisiana. Yeah, okay. Ricky and I are Cajuns. Two-thirds. <laughs> right. Hey, I went to public school in Mamu, Louisiana. Okay, Mamu. Yeah, All right, come on. Hold on. Man. He he's technically right because I, I I'm gonna bet that Evie is not in uh, or is it Evie? It's Evie. Yeah, Evie. I'm gonna bet Evie. Evie's not in Louisiana. It's true. I'm not. Yeah, that is true. okay. Okay. Well, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So give yeah, his math creds on that one, man. We're we're based on we're based on out of uh, Louisiana and Minnesota. Oh no way! We're in Minnesota. I am. Just north of you in Fridley. Oh, that's wild. I'm from Minneapolis and just flew back from a visit to my family home yesterday. So Okay. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So we got another don't you know on here tonight. Hell yeah. Minnesota Uh, don't you know. See, I I still don't know why they they think this. It's uh, because we're Cajuns. We don't know anything. The movie is named Fargo. Fargo is in North Dakota. Don't you we know? don't know how stuff works up Thank there, you. man. Thank you. I, I suppose you don't. I suppose you don't. Yeah, for whatever reason, I even claim it still. It's still it's still kind of a, I mean, just the way the world's going, it's still kind of a a, a pure and a majestic place to be from. Now, if you live in Minneapolis, that you might have a little bit different take on it. I was about to say. <laughs> Minneapolis has changed quite yeah. a bit. Um, yeah. But uh Eh, whatever. I mean, what big city hasn't? I guess New Orleans has always been covered in piss, so it's yeah, just that's, the same that's... down here. Well, but that's usually <laughs> never mostly, changed. It's usually mostly tourists, and now it's just everybody, uh, right? What? Well, no, New Orleans. <laughs> that's all the locals. That's the locals. The locals they know what's too. going on. Yeah. yeah, really. Okay, fair oh, enough. God, they either yeah. they either they either leave during Mardi Gras or they stay and piss on everything. <laughs> yeah. It's just how it goes in New Orleans, yeah. man. This is Fair a hard R part podcast, by the way, Evie. So just let it, yeah. let your hair down and have a good time. It and don't matter. Let it roll. Let it yeah. roll. Don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. Well, you said you you said you just flew back. So what were you what were you doing? What grand thing were you doing? Uh, I was. <laughs> well, that's a funny note to start on. I was frantically visiting my family after a breakup, <laughs> but I am oh. from Minneapolis and living in Queens, New York now. 
Oh wow, yeah. I spent some time up there up in New yeah. York New York City. Mm-hmm. I lived rope. up th- up there for like five years. Oh shit. Okay. You have me beat, so well, I didn't. Well, no, you already got me beat because I didn't live in the city proper. I lived in North Jersey, but I worked every night in New York City. Um, it was it was a culture shock for sure. And I mean, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure being from Minnesota. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I love it. Um, I kind of thrive off the energy, and um, obviously love to be in like arty spaces. So it definitely lends itself to that. But um, it can be a lot, <laughs> and yeah. So I sometimes do crave the midwestern comforts for example this past weekend (laughs) i was hoping when when i went over there that it was going to be like 1960s new york and it was going to be like lou reed and all them people walking around (laughs) i I was disappointed that it wasn't quite like that but it, it had its own you're right the energy there is in it's insane to be in the city it's it's a whole different thing and one of my favorite things was bringing my ex-wife up there. She wasn't my ex-wife at the time. And she, uh, really, she, she, was, uh, she, she was just kind of like, Oh my God, I can't take it. Cause I was driving through the city and it's driving. It's just, oh, that's oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was K. I mean, you know, you got like literally down an alley, there's an 18 wheeler backing up a rickshaw going by and, all kinds of madness and i'm just like i remember i remember travis and i were both working overnight and travis you were exterminating Mm -hmm. and um so we used to be on the phone a lot while we were at work and uh i remember you telling me about the guy with the fucking horse and buggy that started whipping the top of your car (laughs) and i was just like this place (laughs) sounds amazing yeah. Like somebody cut someone off in traffic or something and everyone's at a standstill, rolling down their windows, cussing each other, and then the guy pulls out the horse whip. Oh my god. And he's whipping the car and he I'm like, New was... York sounds amazing. I don't know I don't know why he thought it was me, because I I didn't cut anybody off, especially a horse and buggy. And all of a sudden I just hear like a and this guy's yelling and it's my car. He's hitting the top of my work car and I'm like what is happening out right now? Like, I got nervous to get out because you know, of I didn't course, want to, oh. I didn't want to get whipped. Oh, it's a right. Fun, <laughs> it's a fun city. It has it has an energy like nothing I've ever experienced. I know the last time my wife and I were there, it was just after a cruise that we took, and we had I think three days in the city, so we did a lot of <clears throat> a lot of walking, a lot of wandering. Mm-hmm. And uh, Evie, are you familiar with Scars Pizza? No, I'm not. Okay, if you go there, their pizza is fantastic. Just go there in the day. Okay. <laughs> Don't go there when it's dark outside. Heard. Okay, yeah, understood. Yeah. yeah, we had done a bunch of shopping. Um, and I, I just, every once in a while, you buy something you wouldn't buy normally, right? Normally, I'm very frugal. Like, I buy New Balance tennis shoes because they're inexpensive and they're comfortable. But I bought just a rad pair of Nikes. And my wife was like, you should wear those out. And then we went to Scar's Pizza and everyone there was looking at my shoes. And I'm uh... like, God. I'm going to get killed for my shoes. <laughs> like, let's go. Dude, you um, can have them. They're shoes. Well, I would have totally, I would have coughed them up. Yeah, I walked on barefoot. That would have been <laughs> right. fine. But Fuck it was like, um, why is everyone looking at my feet? And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh shit, that's why. Oh, God, this was yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, it can be scary sometimes for sure. Especially, like, not to play that card. But as a single woman, like, walking in the street. I bet. It's just. Can't um, even imagine. Yeah, I it's, bet. Yeah. It's brutal. But, um. On the other hand, you know, there are opportunities like none other. And 
people who just pull whips out at traffic traffic lights, like crazy people who you just like, I don't know, they make the daily life sort of rewarding in a new way that I just... I, I imagine it. in Queens, it's probably it might actually be. Go, don't go to Staten Island for sure, because <laughs> you're gonna have all the goombas running around. Be, hey, yo, honey, hey, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Queens level. is pretty like residential, like neighborhoody, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. That's good. See, I was yeah. a big fan of the subway preachers. I, I I don't know why, but I love the subway preachers because you. I be bet sometimes a, they're a lot of fun. Well, you'd be in a quiet subway car, and things yeah. would be quiet. People mind their own business. <laughs> And then, out of nowhere, some guy would yell, and it is because he is risen. Yep. And then he starts, and it's like, what the hell is going on? And then you just kind of sit and watch. And the guy, I don't know if it, like he practices or if just his mental illness has kept him that sharp right. that he can do that. But it's and he just goes from to his the heart, whole, man. Oh, it's falling from his heart. It's, <laughs> it's pure. It, it's crazy beautiful. Is really what it is. Just to watch. It's I like, could see that happening in New Orleans, but he'd be peeing on everyone or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Different people town. pee a lot in New York too. But yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know. That's there's a woman on my commute. At least once a week, this woman is on my train in the morning on the subway. She's purposefully sings "Country Roads Take Me Home." horribly like ear screechingly bad she's homeless like very visibly so just irritates the hell out of everyone at like seven in the morning on our way to work and like she'll stop if you give her a couple of bucks it is such a grift it's like next level i I respect the fucking hustle exactly (laughs) i respect that fucking hustle exactly not gonna lie Take me home. We might be in the right. Oh, that's beautiful comparatively. You sound amazing. Minnesota. (laughs) Mama. (laughs) Travis actually can sing, so he's he's got that go. He's got that he's got that beautiful goal. He has the voice of an angel. New Orleans, New Orleans also does have its own my favorite thing when go I go to New Orleans is to see the Raven Street Church Choir. They set up in the middle of the street and they do that. They start there. Your sins can be forgiven today if you just oh, stop yeah. your debauchery, if you just stop your sinful practices, your drinking and your sex. And and I'm just like, I'll stand there and watch them for a good 10 minutes and just be like, how do you have this much energy, man? Like, as, how, right. yeah. as you walk by with a beer and a cigarette going, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Because yeah. that's, that's everyone. I in usually have a, a fucking hand grenade, which is a drink you can get in New Orleans. And it, yeah. it, it you get pie out off of two of them. Um, you, you're done. I got it. So, uh, why don't you just tell us where you got these videotapes from? Tell us what they are. We bought a video recorder. And that's when I had the first nightmare. I don't think that you know what you're dealing with. Give me that camera. I started seeing these images. I recognized them. Recognize them from where? Wanna tell me what's on this one? Is that beta? Yup. Nice. If your God exists, does he require summoning? Summoning. summoning.
break those tapes. You saw what's on them. Welcome to the nightclub, where we are the ones who say, it's happening, it's happening, this is it, you know what to do. I am your host, Grindhouse Zombie, and as always, my two kissing Cajun cousins. Travis Maxwell Boone, a.k.a. Uh, I don't have a fucking name. Gunther. Be Gunther. You're Gunther, I see it in the chat. <laughs> Too late. I'm not Gunther, you're Gunther. <laughs> you're Gunther, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have the other, I guess we're kissing Cajun cousins now. I'm, I'm and. <laughs> Was it Carol? Aunt Carol with the AK forty seven. That's me. Try my try my brownies, bitch. I'm Ambrosia. <laughs> I'm Ambrosia Tibu. That's who I am tonight. Yeah, lovely. There we go. Lovely. And I, I wanted to say one thing real quick before we uh, introduce tonight's tonight's special guest. If I could talk, um, we're breaking protocol. We're gonna break a, a podcast cardinals rule right now tonight. Ooh. We we have never done the latest installment in a franchise before having covered the first installment in a franchise on this show. But you know what? It don't matter because none of these movies are connected any fucking way. So woohoo <laughs> grindhouse story. Who did you get for tonight's special episode? Well, I recently watched a little film called VHS 85. Uh, and it, it really struck me. And as we've discussed a little bit here and there, uh, each episode brings its own thing to the table. Uh, two of them are interconnected, which is fantastic. I love that because I am not by nature an anthology fan. And one character, one actress, uh, the performance really struck me, really hit me home. And I got a wild hair at my ass and I said, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to see if this wonderful actress would sink to our level and have <laughs> a conversation with us. And lo and behold, Evie Bear said, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I've always wanted to be on a podcast and cannot wait to talk to you guys about VHS. I had such a ball. This is your first podcast? Yes. Whoa. My first interview. This is so thrilling. I'm having the time of my life. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome Glad to, be to your the first. nightclub. Yeah, this is awesome. Well, that was one of my intros. I would never know it was your first. Oh, so that would have come in handy right there. <laughs> anyway, so right, we've been right. We've been, I get it. Yeah, we've now yeah, you see, see what I did there. So we've been did. we've been we've been chatting for a few minutes. Um, you know, doing our normal kind of pre-show banter. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, Evie, it's you're one of the rare people that it's difficult to get to know from the internet. Um, right. You have a Facebook page which uh, it documents a little bit of your life, and it this is. Okay. This is research, not stalking, just for the record. <laughs> um, but there's not a ton about you out there, uh, detailed information-wise. So if you would, give us a little bit about you and, um, you know, 
how you landed where you are and how you ended up in uh, this spectacular movie. Not stalking at all. As someone who also takes their internet research very seriously, I <laughs> appreciate it. But I, um, I live in New York. I have been acting my whole life, basically. I <laughs> like to joke that I was a failed child actor. My little sisters were a lot younger and a lot cuter than I was for longer. And so they booked a ton of commercials and fun things. And um, I started to get really into theater. And then eventually theater became what our family did. It was a very foundational aspect of my life. And as we like got more into film and TV, but also serious about theater, I started to realize that I didn't want to spoil it by going to school for um, acting and then making that my whole world and not really having anything else going for me. And so I w- I've always been a really vigorous student. I went to NYU and I um, actually didn't study acting at all. I majored in art history and Spanish and just sort of had this self-aggrandizing philosophy that as long as I kept reading, as long as I kept reading novels and reading stories, um, I would be able to learn as a human and as an actress. And so I was studying and taking auditions at the same time, but um, my agent is out of Minneapolis. And so really only local things would come in, occasionally regional things. There's every now and then there's like a national search that winds up in Minneapolis. Like I remember watching Stranger Things for the first time and being like, I know these lines. This was that undisclosed project I auditioned for two years ago. Like little things like that, but pretty one off most of the time. Um, And I was pretty much a theater actress. I was in a couple of commercials here and there, but um, I took auditions and I randomly this audition fell into my lap because there's a Minnesota connection, which is so near and dear to my heart that I find really special about VHS, uh, this installment in particular, obviously. But uh, yeah, I got this audition pretty randomly I read the script and it was just the segment it, I had I think a portion of No Wake and some of Ambrosia I can't remember exactly what it was and it was a self-tape which unfortunately is basically all that happens anymore because post-COVID no one's going into the room which I miss that's what I like about auditioning and so I almost didn't even submit, to be honest, because I find self-tapes to be so intimidating and such an awful process. Um, But I did. I sent in the audition. And within a couple of weeks, I was on a Zoom with the director. And I flew home to Minnesota to shoot a movie for a couple of weeks. And it was such a dreamy scenario that um, I just continued to sort of giggle at because it doesn't seem real and now that it's come out I'm just so proud of the work we've done but yeah that's mostly it I work in development I have a nine to five (laughs) I work um for a ballet company and so I just am really involved in the arts in New York City and love acting and I'm doing plays now in New York on the side hell yeah that's prestigious shit right there love it I mean to me because I you know one of the things that I regret not doing, and I mean this with all my heart, when I spent time in New York City, was not yeah. going see 
Broadway, off-Broadway, doesn't matter. I never went. I never went. And I don't know why. I don't know why because I I totally would have been down for a bunch of the plays they had going at the time. Les Mis was a staple. I think they even had the Evil Dead play at the time, which would have been just bloody fun. So, yeah, Yeah. big, big regrets there. Was Mike P. Nelson from Minnesota? Yeah, he is. Um, and we shot in Minnesota. Um, so many of the actors are local. A lot of the crew was local. Um, and that was something that really energized me about the project initially was how grassroots it felt, but also how huge it was. Um, and I remember feeling like, oh, there's something really special about this segment and the fact that it could be shot in LA, but no, he, Mike made the choice to say like, no, I want this to be shot in Minnesota. Clearly had a vision for something um, that just wound up being so great. And it was, it was just such luck that it happened to be in Minnesota. I think, I think y'all are lucky too, that y'all managed to find like the only lake that you can kill somebody on and they come back to life. (laughs) Like it's amazing how location scouting, whoever got that for y'all a plus to them. Um, they found the fountain of youth in Minnesota. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about moving up there. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. Please don't. Um, I'd be be drunk every single weekend. Don't do that. We're going to pull up. We're going to just sit a pop-up camper (laughs) on the edge of your driveway. dude. (laughs) That's the scariest part is you would be in my yard and we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be neighbors. We'd be kin. You know what it's, I mean? Instead, <laughs> in, instead of Travis's nightclub, it would be Travis's hobo t- hobo shanty. Yeah. Well, Travis, yeah. Travis's traveling nightclub is what it would be. Yeah. yeah. So I sounds it. fun. I got a question for you, Evie. Um, yeah. Take me back in time, if you will, to uh, your your childhood, and tell us all about your first experience with horror. First experience with horror. That's a good question. I can remember the first time that. I was um, really scared by something and I, it won't count as horror, but then I can recount horror. But I was watching from the like crook of the doorway while my parents were watching a movie and I was supposed to be asleep. Well, I I must've been like six or five or six. They were watching towering Inferno. And I've like, just had this vision of like, like suspenseful horror like that has always been what really gets to me. Um, and so that's been like a repeated nightmare since. Um, and I think the first time I like watched, my parents were pretty strict about, you know, like PG 13, like I wasn't allowed to really watch anything. Um, but the first horror movie that I was allowed to go watch was Insidious. Um, and it freaked me the fuck out. Obviously I still can see like certain shots from it in my head that are just like peak jump scare to me um but through the two oh my gosh speaking of minnesota he's buried in a cemetery right by my house tiny tim tiny tim yes that's amazing i love tiny tim (laughs) me too (laughs) and i know where that is so yeah being from so i yeah i know exactly where that is that's road trip (laughs) (laughs) yo we gotta go visit tiny tim man just saying He's no, going right to be right next to the be. Yeah, I can't promise there's going to be tulips, Rick, but we can tiptoe <laughs> for sure. We can definitely yeah, tiptoe. Right. right. Insidious is a dope first movie to see in oh, theaters. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And that uh, two real quick follow up questions. Um, mm-hmm. and you don't have to answer the first one if you don't mind, but the second one you're required to. First, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. First question. How old are you? Twenty two. Okay. Second question. Now that we know you're legal, what are you drinking? <laughs> I'm having a gin and tonic. <laughs> my favorite drink. Awesome. Very nice. 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 Yes, think- very legal. <laughs> okay, no, no, it's just a joke. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, no, no, I, I, we're we're a horror podcast, but I'd say we're almost predominantly comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe fifty fifty. I don't. I got this yeah. tropical bear hug IPA that I'm that I'm uh getting down with real quick. GHC, <laughs> what you doing? You firing silver bullets? Cause you know me, killing werewolves. Always. I'm right there with them. Oh uh, shit! All right. You know what? It, you know what is disappointing, gentlemen. This entire summer, this entire freaking summer, I don't know what has happened to liquor stores here. There was not a Natterdays to be found in this Nary entire a Natterday to be seen in the metro <laughs> area. It was my. Well, I love that midsummer. It's hot outside. Yeah. I want to have a steak and get wicked heartburn from that. I, right. I want. I, <laughs> And nothing, nothing. I looked everywhere, dude. And I that just happened so to Ricky last year. Remember, Ricky had a dry they're spell. Getting, he couldn't find Natterdays they're anywhere. They're getting harder to find again, too, dude. Uh, my yeah, normal spots. Else. That's why I'm doing this. My normal spots ain't been carrying them. Yeah, yeah. Well, all else fails. Kill werewolves. You can't go wrong. Yeah, but shout out to the gin and tonic, though. Gin dude, is I... not a popular liquor, at least it seems to me. But I, I'm a gin fan myself. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um. So I've, I've been drinking this since uh, like I'm like 12. So I'm good with this. It's cool. <laughs> well, I've heard it said. I've heard it said that a gin and tonic is an old soul drink. Um, and it is. It, you're. It's. You're one of those people who has an old soul. And I. I've also heard it said that gin and tonic is a the drink of the creative. I've heard that said. I'm not blowing smoke here. That I've just heard wow. that said. Whoa. No. And um. Well, because it's it's something of an acquired taste. It takes some time to really get used to and to like. And but once you do, it's just it's your happy place. So so like writers got like whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe you know. it's kind of like along those lines. Unless know. you're unless you're a Russian writer and then you drink vodka. Yeah, the true. vodka. True. You drink some vodka. Vodka, yes, definitely. <laughs> and that's it. Evie, uh, besides Insidious, what's some of your favorite horror films? I just want to get a gauge. Yeah. Just see you how how you are as a horror fan. You know, I feel like I've weirdly I I've been trying to run it back in my brain all day in preparation and I feel like I've seen a lot of horror and I don't think of myself as a horror fan, but I don't really get too scared by movies, so I find them really enjoyable. Um there are like a couple that I can like very viscerally remember watching and will like go down in my book probably forever hereditary is one and like midsummer like those two were like very like high school just getting into film these are so cool but also freaking me the fuck out i also had a very similar feeling about like babadook in eighth grade that was like really like this is a cool conceptual film but also like I want to sleep in my parents' bed. Um, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Baba uh, Duke's got some good spooks in it, man. Just saying. Yeah. Um, but then I've also seen like a lot of I was trying to I, I spent a summer in Argentina as a high schooler, as a exchange student, and Argentinian Netflix randomly had such a variety of selections of like mid-budget low-budget horror movies 
that I can't like rattle off the name, but I just saw one on Netflix the other day. It was called like creep or something. And like Mm -hmm. things like sort of in that vein that are just so unsettling. And I watched my, my host sister was obsessed with them. So I watched like 40 or 50 in a summer. And so I feel like I just like got like, like hyper exposed and then sort of continued. And then of course I did like my due diligence later in life. Like I watched the shining and, um, silence of the lambs. Like those are like, like favorite movies forever. Um, but I really do love the spectrum of horror, like the, like kind of raunchy, grotesque. Um, and, and then the more sophisticated us too. We, we love to celebrate the entire spectrum. Cool. Uh, whether it's like you say, raunchy or intellectual or good or bad, we, we right. kind of just love it all. Exactly. So. No, it's just a good time. And anyone making a movie and making this stuff happen, you know, it's, it's just awesome. <laughs> Tell me, Evie, when you were there living in Argentina during uh, your exchange school days, did you hear the crying of the alpaca? The crying <laughs> of the alpaca? I'm, I'm just being, I'm, I'm doing a Hannibal Lecter. Oh, <laughs> well, the, the crying of the alpacas, Avi. Now well, I that's... see it. <laughs> well, that's kind of one of the amazing things, to be honest, about um, doing this podcast is that, and I think both Ricky and Travis said it. There's a spectrum, and I've always had this—I don't want to call it quite a chokehold, but I've kind of had a very narrow definition of what horror is. And from the using Silence of the Lambs as an example. Growing up, that was never a horror movie to me. It was oh. never, it was never a horror movie. It was not, it was in a genre and it was a crime thriller and it was a drama and oh. it had some suspense, but it was never horror. But then just in the last couple of months, we did an episode on the movie, The Mummy. And yeah. it took having a discussion about that movie for me to realize that for all intents and purposes, it's a horror movie. Now it's funnier. And more action packed than a lot of horror movies, but it's a horror movie. So it's, it it makes that whole ride and that whole, as you, as you digest movies, but then moreover, as you are able to have, um, you know, good conversations about them, it, it honestly, it just, it, it blows your doors open and just lets the, lets the horizon come to you as opposed to you setting the horizon. So it's, oh, it's been a hell of a ride. I feel like I forgot about a whole genre that is like, like middle school maybe even elementary horror movies like Coraline and Monster House those oh, I watched yeah. really young and are also formative memories we uh covered Coraline cool. on this podcast a while back good yeah. episode very good episode very good and movie great movie 10 out of 10 I'll have to listen Monster to House Monster House Travis we should put in Mama's box put it in there I I love that movie toss um, it in bud yeah we have, we have, we have a, a- a discord yeah i want to explain that because it ahead. sounded fucked up real quick <laughs> yeah, yeah it and, and, and it is and it is and fucked, it is up. fucked up but yeah. you know but without context it might sound more fucked up right than it should we have a thing that we it's it's just for people to suggest movies and and we may or may not cover them one day it's just a, it, it's something that started before we ever had a discord it's it's just called mama's box you put it in mama's box and it, it actually is a physical green box that that exists in real life and it came from somebody from someone who used to be on the show's grandmother so yeah so we were like that's mama's box and so when you when you have a movie you want to talk about well you you stick it in mama's box (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is 
Yep. I'm up to date on the lore. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah now that now that we've said it out loud a whole bunch of times, I see what you. I'd never done. That never came together in my head before until now, and it was oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, there is a physical box, and if you look at the um, promo that we cut, I'm, yeah. I'm talking like we were wrestlers. If you look at the <laughs> promo that we cut with all the Evil Dead camera work, I'll tell you, you what, can brother. actually see can actually see Mama's box open up, and I have a I like blew some vape into it, mm-hmm. so when we <laughs> opened it up, it was like misting out of it. Looks <laughs> great. It worked perfectly. It was kind of just worked. I was like, maybe this would work. And I tried it and it was amazing. I wanted to make a correlation real quick too, with the movies that she's discussing your monster house and Coraline was like my never ending story and labyrinth. And then when you're talking about these movies that you grew up watching from insidious to Babadook to hereditary, I bet it follows was probably in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's like the Renaissance of horror in the, 2010s for me because mm. you know you know grow because growing up i'm i'm like i came off the 80s and 90s stuff so that was my yeah. growing up movies and it's just it's interesting to, to see it cool. g- go from one generation to the next to the next and yeah i don't Absolutely. know something about it just makes me happy and i don't know what I, I can't really quantify what it is that makes me happy to learn or hear about it but it, it's right. just it's neat. I like it. Yeah, the continuation of it. I mean, it's great that it exists for sure. I'm jealous that you got that renaissance because so for me, when I was a kid, we didn't have movies like like Coraline and um, Monster mm. House. We didn't, there weren't kid-friendly horror movies. I mean, the, you know, yeah. the closest you got was whatever was on the late night TV show after midnight if you were still awake. That was that was kid friendly back in my day. So, I mean, I, I love that you call it a renaissance, you know, because it tells me that there's even still better things to come, but I never, I never had that. So in a way I'm kind of jealous because you got to, you got to have those movies and, and be sort of very warmly and welcomingly invited into the, into the circle of horror. Absolutely. Even just like, I mean, like Goosebump books, the series, oh, yeah. those were so coveted in elementary school. Like people have always sort of like adore, at least my generation, I find people really dig it and love the adrenaline of it. My, one of my favorite actresses is a horror actress pretty frequently. And I feel like she's like having big comeuppance right now. Uh, it's Mia Goth. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I adore she's her. A beast. She I, oh my goodness my Facebook. Yep. yeah <laughs> i love me but um like suspiria to pearl to x like she is rising and like i think people like my generation has like really caught on to that in a fun way um that right. i've like my mom has always been like oh i don't watch those movies kind of my dad too like oh like i don't watch that genre same um, with my parents right but i don't yeah. think i've ever felt that sort of stigma in terms of my peers interesting yeah because i think there's definitely a generation of actors that got their start in horror Mm -hmm. and like way way back and then there was definitely a time when an up-and-coming actor would not touch horror it's like that was like like the death sentence for horror and now coming in like with some of the the big and upcoming ones and mia goth is a great example look at jenna ortega oh my god right exactly right yeah just going just just hell bent for leather and just going out and doing this stuff and um you know growing up in in my day growing up you didn't see you know 
when I first saw Leprechaun and Jennifer Aniston was in it, and you just, <laughs> and you just got an idea of who she was. It was like, mm. what the hell is she doing in this movie? You know, dude. Whereas Demi now, Moore's first movie was a really shitty Full Moon picture. <laughs> oh yes, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. It's it's the worst. So I love it. Yes, yeah, well, but it's great that it's been accepted now, and it can be okay. a recognized and acceptable step up to stardom, where before it was more. You know, I, I've moved to California and I'm living out of my car, so I need a job. I, I got I just... a great example of your point that you're making. And it's it two two world famous A class actors from one fucking movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the oh, next generation. And 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yep. Ma- Matthew McConaughey and yep. Renee, Renee Zellweger. Zellweger. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to say that was both their first movies ever, but that's definitely before they broke out. And once they broke they out, big. Yeah. they didn't want nothing to do with it. They wanted their <laughs> names taken off the movie, actually. Yep. And I'm like, yep. I see why. <laughs> well, that is a terrible movie, but I mean, I've it's better for it. having them in it. It's it's a terrible movie, but at the same Wait. time, it's a car wreck. You, you, at the same time, right. You can't help but watch yeah. it. You just watching like, that, like the part, the part where like the tension's going crazy at the dinner table, yeah. and Leatherface is freaking out, and Re- Renee Zellweger has already been tortured at this point, and she tells Leatherface to sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best part of the movie because Leatherface gets all scared and he's like, yeah. <laughs> I love McConaughey's got like a fucking mechanical leg in that he's movie. Got a robot leg. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck. Yeah. And that boy's running around screaming at the top of his lungs. It's just, it's crazy. It's so well, crazy. But I, I seriously doubt either one of them had any idea that they would become part of a zeitgeist, though. I don't, I mean, it, back then it was just, it was the next job. Let's get forward. Um, because it'd be a lot cooler if they um, thought they would. Well, Vigo Vigo Mortensen was in a Texas Chainsaw as well. Yeah, you know, and he ha- he has he has the best line in any Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie ever. Like as they're as they're peeling the body, yeah, they pull the pants off the guy, and they both just go colored drawers. Must be California. No <laughs> and it's shit. Like, oh my god! I mean, and it's for whatever reason that light has stuck with me for which one I mean, was that in part three? Yeah, it's like, but it's oh, just, wow. it's like, so, but I, I don't think any of them had any idea though. But I, but I also think that if you look at some of those those actors and what they've done up until now. They took a big chance, but they've also had great things come with it too. Yeah. Anyway, Kevin just Bacon, to... man. Oh yeah. Kevin <laughs> Ke- Bacon, Friday Kev- the thirteenth. Ke- Kevin Bacon and eggs. Yep. Um, yep. He wears them little shorts, and you can see Kevin Bacon's eggs and sausage, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can. Johnny and... Depp in fucking uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so these people, they took a chance, and um, yeah. I, it's. You're you're yes. amongst great fucking uh, company here because one day your line that's going to resound. Everyone's this is my cousin Lester, lame as usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the script oh. is so fun. Speaking of the script, the movie itself that we're here to talk about tonight, I don't know if y'all are ready, guys, but uh, I'm 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 pretty much ready to dive into VHS. I'm ready to put that that VHS in the cassette player like I used to when I was yeah. a wee lad. Hit play. Oh, yeah. And then fuck with the tracking and get mad yep. and like slap my TV a little bit. Bang on it and right, bang yeah, on yeah. it until it worked right. Yep. Yeah. Back, <laughs> so when, back when Star Wars had to babysit us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. All right. If you have not seen tonight's film, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go back and watch the first five entries of the series because this is the sixth. All right. We Again, we're breaking the rule tonight in honor of our guests. We're going to do that thing. 
and it really it really don't matter thank god it don't no, they're not connected no don't worry about yeah, it thank god otherwise my ocd would be freaking the fuck i'd still do this <laughs> but I, but i'd be like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is gonna bury us yeah <laughs> yeah bury us. this is gonna end the nightclub uh <laughs> meanwhile no one anywhere is like what are they what's he talking about um <laughs> yeah so uh get your vhs ready put that thing in pop your popcorn and uh let's go folks let the ritual begin oh, you bastards why are you torturing me like this why <laughs> DHS 85 is a 2023 found footage. I normally try to do a presentational voice for the show, but um, sometimes I want to go like even further for the sake of ridiculous. Well, it's pretty impressive. Well, really what I want to do sometimes is like VHS. Wait, hold on. I'm not going to do this voice right now. VHS 1985 is a 2023 found footage anthology horror film. <laughs> okay, if you can do the whole intro as Hank Hill and you can nail it, I'm in for it, bud. Do it. It's the sixth installment in the VHS franchise, and the film features segments from directors David Bruckner, Scott Derrickson, Gigi Saul Guerrero, <laughs> Natasha Kermani. <laughs> And Mike P. Nelson sounds like a, a solid fella. I'll tell you what, it's kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of lagging on the on the Hank, but I haven't watched that show in forever, so I, forgive me. No, we'll 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 do it over. But Which if it's Hank, fu- are you doing Hank Hill? Oh. You did Hill. good, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you did real good, Dad. <laughs> well, thank you, Bobby. I appreciate you. Which Which other yeah. Hank is there? Have you ever seen the Larry Sanders show? No. Well, watch Larry Sanders. Um, but there's a character named Hank who people do impressions of. So. Oh shit! And okay. he's an announcer. So I was like, oh, I know what you're doing. Oh, oh no, he's gonna have two Hanks now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna find this Hank from the Larry Sanders show. Is he related it's to Walter Bernie? Tambor. He played. It's played by Walter Tambor from. Or oh, I know, I know him. I can't do that no. man's voice. That man's got a <laughs> woof. He was also yeah. in um, Heavyweights from when I was a kid. I love that movie. Yep, very good well, he's, movie. He's been in a lot of he's things everywhere. From, yeah, yeah, from, from yeah, the history of time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was. Is Larry related to Bernie? I <laughs> tonight I watched this movie called VHS eighty five, and it was spectacular. I'm telling you right now, free VHS copies for everyone. Okay. Freakishly good. That's pretty good. I like trying to do all the presidents or near presidents when I can. Uh-oh. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay. Well, she asked for it. So, yeah. I, I did. I watched this movie, VHS 85. Okay. Tremendous movie. David Bruckner, fantastic Hellraiser. Um, Scott Derrickson, great, great director. One of the best directors of all time. Up oh and com- Up and comer Mike P. Nelson. He's going to do great things. Tremendous things. Probably not the best, but. No, I if I close my eyes, I can picture it. 
little disturbing. We have a uh, well, we have a guy uh, that comes on the show sometimes. His name is Seth Harris, and he does a really good Barack Obama when he's not trying. <laughs> if you ask him to do it on command, he kind of flubs it a little bit. But if he just goes with it, he's he sounds exactly like Barack Obama, and it's fucking insane. <laughs> well, right. But it's fun to have something you can pull out of your back pocket like that. Oh, I wish I could do it. I wish because I would have all of them talk to each other. Oh, yeah. And I would make them talk about horror movies, too. Like, so... <laughs> Obizi, what was your favorite horror movie from the last year? And I, I can't do Obama, but he, well, you know, Trump, I really enjoyed VHS 85. I mean, you can't <laughs> not do Obama. It wasn't bad. Especially the young lady who plays Ruth. Very good job. <laughs> I, sound, I feel like I sound more like a, like a old news guy though. When I do the, <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did have one suggestion that I forgot to mention earlier. I don't know why, but for the episode title, ruthless oh, oh with a hyphen with a hyphen okay oh, i thought that okay. i thought that could maybe be sweet that would be that would know. be pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i like it it's almost right. like when we had roger on mm-hmm. yeah or well <laughs> a, we a had good roger a good rogering yes yeah yeah <laughs> we had we been from uh oh my god from um forest of death. death yeah yeah i'm ready to hear about about ruth's gun policy I, uh, <laughs> uh, it's tremendous. Ruth, I can't. Pol- I can't do the Trump and everything like you Ruth, can, bro. It's wild. Ruth, what's your policy on guns? You like them? You don't? I mean, I, I, I think you're a fan based on this film. I, I think you're a pretty big fan. <laughs> no, she's big not hand, a fan. We we need gun control. So, okay. If she's Sorry, if, if she's from Minnesota, I think I can probably predict where this is going to go. Well, I mean, at a general level, maybe not. I mean, you could you could ebb and flow a little bit, but at a general I, level, I mean. Well, you see, I'm. You never know. People are anomalies. I support the Second Amendment, but I don't want a gun. Don't even want one. So I'm just like because well, you'd shoot yourself. I no, mean, no, on. I'm not. I'm not a moron. <laughs> I mean, God, I damn. Think, I, God nothing, damn. To, nothing, nothing to do with you being a moron. I just, I, I just, I can I'm just see it. Pretty good with a gun, to be honest with you. Well, when you when you move to Minnesota and you're parked in my front yard, we'll go shooting one day and we'll see who's who. Oh, How does that sound? <laughs> I got, I got three out of five skeets. Back in oh, the day. skeet, skeet, skeet. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, sh- skeet shooting. I, well, I'm not Travis. I, I know what skeet shooting is. And tell <laughs> me, the, tell me that you got three out of five. It's like saying you only hit three curbs when you parked your car. It's like, I, okay, sure. <laughs> Look at this guy, king yeah. of the skeet. He's king of skeet now. You're a king skeet skeet. King this of, is all staying king, in. The king of skeet mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Evie's like, why did I want to be on a podcast? (laughs) Oh, I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) Oh, shit. VHS 85 is a 2023 found footage horror anthology film, the sixth installment in the VHS franchise series. So we're going deep on this one, y'all. And uh, this movie features directors David Bruckner, Scott Derrickson, Gigi Saul Guerrero, Natasha Kermani, and Mike P. Motherfucking Nelson. Son, um, this movie is a Shutter exclusive, and it came out earlier this month in October. So it's still spooky season. If you're listening to this when this drops, you have time. Go watch it before you listen to us spoil the shit out of it because we're about to. Um, 
I don't I don't have a lot of production notes necessarily about this movie. Um, we learned tonight that No Wake slash Ambrosia was filmed primarily, if not completely, in Minnesota. But not completely, uh, but not yes. Completely. Okay. See, we're 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 learning, and we are open <laughs> to learning here at the nightclub. Where was the lake, Evie? Where was the lake? The lake is actually in Wisconsin. Trader. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Wisconsin, don't you know? Okay, no, that's a bad thing. That's a bad. <laughs> Why? Because Ed Gein's from there? No, because if you live in Minnesota, Wisconsin is like if you had that cousin that was one year older than you and better at everything. <laughs> you would have articulated. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was that's what that's what Wisconsin is. But <laughs> but he was to roll over and die that easy. That's why they're well, better than well, you. He, well, the one cousin that was better at everything, but then in the end ended up marrying another cousin. That's Wisconsin. Whoa. Oh, okay. Alabama. So, so Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Alabama. Okay, okay that's yeah. what it is. That's well, the rivalry yeah. between Minnesota hey, and Wisconsin. Gotcha. Alabama beats us at football. Alabama yeah. had the actual first Mardi Gras, even though we're Cajuns over here and fuck <laughs> fuck them. So yeah, I get it. I, and and they also marry their cousins way more. I get it. Yeah. Right. Way more. Justified. Way more. Story. We stand by it. <laughs> they um, do. This movie was a co-production between the United States and Mexico and was produced by Bloody Disgusting. Everyone who's a horror fan out there knows who the fuck Bloody Disgusting is. And I was pretty surprised to actually uh, learn that myself. But I think they've produced the last few VHS films ever since Viral, I think. I could be wrong about that, though. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, this movie's gotten pretty widespread critical acclaim uh, and audience acclaim. The VHS VHS series had kind of a um, comeback, if you will, after Viral. I think Viral was like the most, uh, the least well received. But ever since '94, yeah. it's just been it's just been picking up steam. And '85 is no different. It's just fucking. It's it's a banger. Little trivia notes. This to me, this was the biggest bit of trivia that came out of VHS eighty five that blew my mind. Scott Derrickson has confirmed that his segment in this film, Dream Kill, is a direct tie in to his movie based on Joe Joe Hill's uh work, The Black Phone. Wow. Yeah. And it makes sense because Gwen, the character from Black Phone, is literally mentioned in that in that scene. So pretty fucking cool. The earthquake that takes place in God of Death is actually based on the 1985 earthquake that occurred in Mexico City. Uh, as soon as Gigi Saul Guerrero learned that they were going to be calling it VHS 85, she knew she had to base her segment around that tragedy. So what, it, what's double fucked up is during the filming of the God of Death sequence, the crew actually experienced a real earthquake. So God was mad. God, oh, oh, shit. God was... he. Wow. He wasn't full-blown, let me throw a lightning bolt at Jim Caviezel while he's playing Jesus, man. But he was pretty mad. <laughs> I'm just saying. He was he, he was time to go, man. Yeah. The actor who played Gunther in the Dreamkill segment is the real-life son of Scott Derrickson. Oh, wow. And the last bit of trivia that I got here, the character Ada Lovelace is a reference to Augusta Ada King, Countess of Lovelace. Her interaction with Charles Babbage in 1843 led her to write an article and a set of notes explaining Babbage's analytical engine, a general-purpose computer. In these notes, she described a method for calculating a sequence of Benoele numbers. Uh, I said it like that so I could hide that I don't know how to say it. This set of instructions for the general-purpose computer earned her the title 
the first computer programmer. So all of that is like a real cool little bit of trivia because the god of technology and all that shit. That's that's all the trivia I got too for this movie. I guess there's not a lot out there yet, other than whatever Evie could tell us about her segments when we get to them during the the review. Um, so let's do some first time watches for everybody here. Evie, we're gonna have you going last tonight for some of these things because you're our guest, and the guest gets to go oh. last and have the final say. Um, mm-hmm. my first time watch obviously was when this movie dropped on Shutter, and I've seen it twice. So first time watch, initial reaction, hell yeah. Watched it again in preparation for tonight's episode. And my hell yeah did not go down. Uh, and that's where I'll leave it. Rickle Bickle. Same, man. I watched it the night it dropped. And I was like, fuck yeah. I watched it again today in preparation. And I was also like, shit yeah. On top of the fuck yeah. Oh, you got a fuck shit yeah sandwich. I love it. Yes. GHZ? Oh, mine was the same. I saw it right when it uh, right when it popped out, and it's interesting. Um, the first time I had this really steadfast opinion of um, a couple of the segments. Um, well, that's not true. I had steadfast opinions on all the segments. Obviously, mm-hmm. No Wake and Ambrosia stuck out to me, and then that was why I said I I I had to look you up because you're you're. <laughs> You're, it was so profound to me. I mean, you were the, you are the standout performance of the entire film to me wow. uh, with, with, without a doubt. Um, oh, that's so funny. well, it's what I think. So it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because you're here. I, I, <laughs> I got a hold of you because I found it so profound. But then on subsequent watches, um, the subsequent watches elevated every segment, um, which is not something that usually happens for me and definitely not for anthologies. Usually, Whatever was low tends to sink, but whatever was high tends to get higher. Now you can have some, a little bit of back and forth in there, but it's a, it was a rare thing for me that everything got better on subsequent watches. That being said, Evie, please tell us about the first time you actually got to watch the film you were in. Okay. Yeah. So I also watched it right when it dropped. I stayed up and, um, I don't know if, I mean, I, I guess it's not a problem. I, did a free trial of Shutter and then canceled it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that is so um, punk rock. <laughs> yeah. New York City's rubbing off on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> work in development, like I said. I don't have <laughs> all that money for a Shutter subscription. Um, but no, it was really exciting to watch, and I did indeed um, record my segment on my iPhone. Um, to send to my family, but I haven't been able to watch it back. I struggle so much with watching my own performance, but I have watched clips from it and actually done a free trial for Shutter on Amazon now, so I could do little clippies of it throughout the week as well. Oh, well, that's awesome. I mean, I, and I love the story. I'm glad that you were honest with us here. That was fucking funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, there it is. Let's go ahead and dive into VHS 1985. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. With Scotch's lifetime guarantee. Take what you want both night and day. Then re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Re-record, not fade away. Every recording as good as the first, or we'll give you a new tape. You can watch Scotch forever. Re-record, not fade away. 
the film opens with Total Copy, or at least the first segment we're going to get from Total Copy, directed by David Bruckner, our boy who made the ritual um, Hellraiser. David Bruckner is Bay, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. This narrator, it's it's presented to us like a lot of VHS films have been lately with this wraparound story and um, interspersed throughout story. This narrator is telling us about this um, team of scientists at Stammer University who found this being known they've dubbed Rory. And my favorite line here is, if you first saw Rory, he would look as American as a McDonald's Happy Meal. And it's just the silhouette of this little kid sitting on a like a couch watching television. And I'm like, that's so skinnamarink. Like, that's the vibe it gives me is a skinnamarink vibe. And um, the scientists are studying this Rory, and we don't know much about it. So fuck Rory. We're going right into our opening uh, short, No Wake, written and directed by Mike P. Nelson. VHS is hit and miss, okay? Like, I'm be honest about everything here, all honesty up front. VHS, for me as a franchise, has been hit and miss since the first one. It seems like every yep. film has at least one, at least one great segment. And then, like, the rest are either good to ho-hum to sometimes not good. I'll say right out the gate, this is a, a movie that has no bad segments. There's not a bad one in the bunch. Uh, they're not all great, no. in my opinion, but they're not all bad or, bleh, you know, there's not a bad one. Yeah. And there's no, no way- there's no toilet scrubber on this one. There's no toilet scrubber. And, that, and every VHS series has had one that was just like, if I'm Honestly- watching it. Honestly, the only VHS I didn't really care for was the viral. Really? Yeah. Huh. All the others have always been mostly hit, more hit than miss for me. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I always call them, I call them that each one has a toilet scrubber because it's the one right. while you're watching it where you can get up because your wife told you to go clean the toilet and you can scrub the toilet real quick and come back <laughs> and then that one's over <laughs> and then you can get on to the next one. So take out the I, trash it, grindhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly right. So, um, so I think each one of them has definitely had one of those. And I agree with you 100%, Travis. There's, there aren't any, there aren't any stories in this one where you just go, yeah, you look away and pick up your phone and just wait yeah. for it to be over. Yeah. There's none here. This, this opening one took me by complete surprise because our first one follows Rob, Anna, Jared, Drew, Robin, Kevin, and Kelly, a big cast of characters, a big group of friends on their way to go have fun at a lake. And um, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this in this first segment as to what's going to happen because they have these little alcohol squirter guns and they're shooting each other with the squirter guns. Once you once, you know, you listeners, what's coming, this is like, OK, totally. When When they get to the lake, though. One of my favorite parts, and this is like straight out of a fucking anime. I I see Goku walking up to the refrigerator and being like, oh, what am I going to drink? Then he pulls Uh, out a fucking beer, and the beer can just says beer on it. (laughs) Right. black and white. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh, my God. I know exactly the cans you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. No, but that was so beautiful, though. It was great imagery, and it was was one of those those moments where you know what they're going to see, and – you're in your head. You're like, okay, which brand of beer is it going to be? And they just kind of go, eh, double middle finger. It's just black and white beer, bitch. That's it's all beer it brand is. beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so beautiful, and it's like we didn't bother <laughs> with all that shit. We spent money somewhere else. And but I love it. I think it's just perfect. 
Right. Yeah. And of course, the conceit of all of these movies is that every segment is a found footage. Uh, the style of it might change, but it's always found footage. So in this movie, Rob is the man behind the camera for the most part. And he's in the woods. He's exploring the outer banks of this lake and he sees a sign and he starts like, you know, it's all it's fallen over and he's scratching away at the dirt. And it says, welcome to Lake Evie. No, I'm kidding. Even. <laughs> I had the same thought. <laughs> like after me? No, it's like Evic or Evic. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you have any background information on what this potentially is or like as far as the name um, goes? Yes, I remember it being a foreign language for something else. It oh, shit. Like some Scandinavian language. I think it means something in like Norwegian or Swedish or something. Grindhouse, translate. I'm on it. I'm on it. Awesome. Because um, this has been a like a pounding question in my brain is like, what? Same here. Yeah. I like I like how Rob is filming the, the bank and he sees a dead squirrel. Then he pans over to Robin. <laughs> And Robin comes over and they're, they're having their little, I mean, they're obviously friends already, but you could tell they might have a thing sort of like for each other. So this is like their little meet cute on the bank shore, uh, Lake bank, what bank shore. I'm just making up words. Uh, he's like, I found a dead squirrel. She's like, ew, I want to see it. And I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other bit of foreshadowing when the, uh, I think it's Drew is driving the boat or Kev is Kevin driving the boat comes up. One of the characters is like, you're going to let me drive that beast. And he's like, over my dead body. (laughs) So this, all of this is building up nice. I love the characters, their interactions. I I believe them as a group of friends. It actually feels like I'm watching somebody's home movie, which is the best thing you can feel when you're watching found footage is that it feels genuine. It feels real. And then they all start water skiing. And Rob encourages Robin to get in the water and try out water skiing. And then old Ruthless comes along. Uh, <laughs> we don't see her in this segment, but your impact in this segment. I wanted to ask you, were you there when they were filming I, this? I was on set for one of the days that they were shooting at the lake. Um, I want to say they had like three or four days. Um, and I was on the final day. Was that a double entendre shooting at the lake? <laughs> uh now when i ran it back um yes i'm gonna take um i'm gonna take credit for that yes (laughs) as you should so this scene and and this is what just shook me right into like oh my god pay the fuck attention to this movie right now i already was i was already glued but now i'm just like what because this is some visceral shit that's happening here our characters are on the boat bullets just start whizzing by taking them out one at a time and the one that really fucks with me probably fucks with everybody because it's the most visually fucked up one is uh kelly homegirl gets shot through the fucking jaw and her jaw is flapped out and open and it just and it looks and i know this is going to sound you know messed up especially today's day and age with the gun violence and i'm sure mike probably had a, a message here maybe with guns Maybe, maybe not. It might just be a badass scene in a horror movie and people shouldn't think too hard about it. Um, but it's, it's fucking awesome the way this looks and scary as fuck. This was the first scene in the movie that, that just, and I think it would be for anybody. It just, it got me, man. I personally feel like gun violence isn't represented enough in horror. 
<laughs> oh, well, more gun well, violence. Okay, I fair mean, enough. Um, American Horror Story, I remember being one of the like TV shows I watched as a teen that like was like scary and fun, and they have a shooting scene. And um, when I first got the script for that, that's for this project, that's immediately what I thought of. Um, and it did, of course, strike me as someone who's <laughs> been raised in the era of school shootings, you know, the the message behind the script. And so it felt cool to be able to be a part of something that um, was working on multiple levels um, and clearly had something profound to say. And I think it was really um, scary to uh, approach it because of how much I like found the script awesome. And I wanted to do my due diligence and do it correctly. And so I took it really seriously. But um, yeah, in the end, it ended up just being all the more rewarding. Well, this scene right here, I mean, GHC, you ain't said nothing yet. What you holding back with this gun violence? uh, Well, first of all, I was Googling for Evic. And the only thing that I can see is that it is possibly Serbian or Croatian and is an extension of a family name. So if you're going to use it, it's the end of a family name. So there there likely might have been more to that sign. Mm. Knew. I feel like it might have just been a different language for evil, but maybe I am simplifying this. In no, my no, I, I think you're on point, but but call Mike real quick and let's ask him on the show. No, I'm, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and then in terms of the gun violence, um, yeah. yeah, so I think you guys know that I am 2A all day, but I also think that you know that I we have to have meaningful and thoughtful discussions about guns and about gun violence in this country. Totally. Um, I will always say that I don't think more laws are the answer because the people that are killing each other don't care about the laws anyway. <laughs> so right. making making more laws to hinder the rest of us is kind of stupid. But there are things that I think that we can do. I think I've said before, I think that red flag laws are okay. I think people sometimes have bad days and can go nuts. And I've told this to my buddy Todd, who does not agree with me at all. You guys know Todd. Yeah. Uh, Cha- Chaplain Todd. Pastor um, Todd, I- man. I've told him he knows me well enough that if he thinks that I'm having a bad enough day that I shouldn't have my guns, that he should be able to call somebody and someone would come and collect them. I'd be okay with that. Because in two weeks' time, I could go, hey, you know what, guys? Sorry, I was having a bad day. Give it a few more weeks, and I'm going to come get my guns back, and things should be fine. I don't think a lot of people think that way because I think they see it as infringement. I don't I don't see it as infringement. There's a... There's a societal good that we all have to work towards. And the reality of societal good is that we all have to give up a little bit. That's what societal good is. We can't just do whatever we want every single day of the week. That said, this whole thing in no wake. Oh God, it's awesome. It's just awesome. And it's awesome for a couple of reasons. A that everybody is a hit from a distance with an ancient 30 odd six through a scope. So Good shooting, Evie. Um, Thank you. It's all real. Uh, well, I would hope Love so. Love to how, hear it. How, how, how else would you do it? Right. Um, uh, but at the same time, when the scene starts, and especially when uh, the one uh, the one character is water skiing, everyone has no idea what's happening. And given the time, given 1985, it would probably be the furthest thing from their mind that there's going to be somebody on shore shooting. So nobody takes... You know, basically right. any, any actions or, or, or any, anything that's going to like save anybody at all kind of just what's going on. And then boom, 
Then, no one just walks around and expect to be shot at. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> and in this, well, but even like in a boat from shore, I mean, that's just so. Right. I mean, because I've grown up around boats and lakes my entire life, it, it's honestly one of the places where I can understand feeling possibly the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the people in this situation have that feeling of vulnerability. They just seem oblivious. Like, what's going on? Boom. Oh, you're bleeding. Oh, what happened? Oh, you're bleeding now. Oh, yeah. half half <laughs> of your face fell off. And it's like, but they like they have no idea. You've and they got don't take red on you. <laughs> exactly right. So <laughs> um the scene is profound as hell. And it was when this movie got going, I was just like, I I literally sat back and just was like, wow. This like, is the point yeah. where where the film really got my attention. Yeah. I mean, I was luckily on set the day that um, the the major shootout happened. That was what happened on the one day that I was there. And so I saw the jaw get <laughs> ripped away and all the behind the scenes grossness. Um, and it was nice to sort of film at least somewhat segmentated. So it was like beginning and after, because then after we would film Ambrosia in Minnesota, um, but I was, I mean, beyond any sort of like political leanings, I was personally terrified to even just like put my hand on even a prop gun because I I think it was just a couple of months after the whole Alec Baldwin situation. Oh, and so shit. I was like, oh. so brand new to all of this. And there was luckily the most incredible armor on set um, who, you know, really taught me to be confident in holding it and beyond just for set safety, the character has to be. Um, and so I really was able to like appreciate it, you know, in a new way and be able to see it as like, you know, it's this, it's, it's a powerful thing that you have to take seriously, but it can also be kind of badass. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like it was, there was a little bit of me that was like, you know, when you get into character and you have to um, um, own it, it, yeah, it was just like a challenging scene in that way. And the whole script that Mike wrote is challenging and nuanced in in that way, I think. I would say over half the action genre agrees with you when you say that guns are badass. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think. You know, like shootout scenes and stuff. I'm a fan of old school westerns. Um, some war movies, they're not all my thing. I'm more I love of a war movies, man. Well, I'm more of a sword war movie guy. Like, you know, I like, like run, run up on the battlefield and actually hand to hand combat and find out who the real one is. Uh, because, you know, I mean, a gun's badass, but it's the gun, not you. Let's find out who's badass with a sword. Uh, <laughs> just saying, but Gandalf. Gandalf. Well, but to, oh. Gandalf <laughs> yeah. is the real one. Well, okay, yeah. but to but to Evie's to, to Evie's point, anybody that watches movies, and we all watch a lot of movies here collectively, I yeah. I do I do sort of like get your what we're talking about when it comes to the perspective of what happened on the set of Rust yeah. and how it made yeah. I think it made every normal movie watcher and then people like us who are let's face it, we're not normal movie watchers here. We watch okay. movies in a different way than a lot of other people. It did make it for me personally, it made me stop and take a little bit of stock and be like, for, I mean, I think of like a movie, like, say like a John Wick movie where you have 750 million rounds of ammo that are fired yeah, in that movie. Right. And 
but then to to hear you say that you had you had an armor on set that was all about teaching you respect and teaching you confidence. I mean, again, not blowing smoke up your ass. It it comes through in the production where you see it because your confidence when handling a firearm is. Wouldn't have guessed. I was quivering in my boots, but um, <laughs> no, it was it, something did overtake me. Obviously, when I <laughs> went into character, and that's another thing is that unfortunately, I feel like oh, I've blocked a lot of it out because I did take it so seriously and sort of like transported into like this. I don't know. I've uh, to friends. I don't tell too many people about it, but um, because it's so exciting to me, and I try not to be too vocal about it but when I recount it to friends I'm like I really don't remember the experience that well because it was so intense and I was so dedicated that I sort of blacked out and went into character and don't really know what I did um but the the, it then it did get more comfortable you know um and it does become more about um you as the actor have to have confidence but you can actually have fun with the prop and um make it your own that's the fun thing about movie making, right? It's it's and that's whenever things get serious. I mean, like like Ryan was saying on Rust, and I think I broke up for a second there. I was talking about as a kid. I I remember hearing about Brandon Lee getting killed on the set of The Crow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's it's you know serious shit, real life shit. But what's fun about embracing something like being a character in a film is you can play pretend yeah. and you can go to that level, and that's the magic of movie making. And you definitely partook in the magic. Right. And I laugh because you mentioned the beer earlier <laughs> that just said beer, but um, <laughs> like just that it's just like a testament to like how special this crew was and how, um, I don't know, particularly unique and lucky I feel to have been a part of it because everyone was just on their A game and just brought it for these really unique stories and you can tell in the final product (laughs) so let's wrap up this segment right here because what happens next all our characters get shot eventually um ruthless takes out the boat motor so they can't even like good call uh, yeah yeah well to accomplish her mission yeah good call. Uh, drew and rob are on the boat like we can probably get like i can jump in the water and swim the boat and use it as cover and ruthless is like nah fuck all that and starts shooting through the boat kills everybody and I'm watching the segment like, wow, what a what a insane, intense, potentially traumatizing opening. But then it doesn't stop there. It gets bizarre. Oh, right. And I I was did not see this coming. No. No, neither did I, but it goes <laughs> it goes to the best place ever. And the best place ever is zombies, baby. Well, the best place ever. But but no, they're not zombies. They're they're kind of zombies. They're not zombies. Look, Evie, Evie, Evie's shaking her head. No, because uh, well, okay. okay, so so oh. everybody, everybody, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I know you okay. want it, but we can't let you have it this time, sir. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's part of your namesake. I get it, but it's based on what the characters discuss. So all the characters you're gonna argue about the things from Night of the Comet not being zombies. <laughs> no, man, no. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Not okay. this time, Rick. The, char- the characters wake up, um, at least the ones that, that went on the water or in the water, to be more specific. The characters that went in the water all start waking up, wounds and all, deadly mortal wounds and all, done been dead, now they're back. And they go back ashore, Ruthless has done taken off, and so they find that Rob's sister and her her boyfriend are dead. They're super dead because they never went in the water. 
and they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And this is this is that Mike P. Nelson's got some horror knowledge right here because he's talking about he's through through uh, his characters. He's saying they're having this discussion like we're, we're zombies now. And Robin's like, no, no, we're not zombies because I'm talking. You're talking. She looks at Rob. She's like, your brains are hanging out the back of your head. If you were a zombie, you'd be dead right now. And somebody else says, well, this is some pet cemetery shit. And Rob's like, what's that? And Robin's like, that's Stephen King's newest. Uh, never mind. Cause again, this is the eighties. <laughs> so yeah. perfect. Perfect. So they don't even know what they are, but they've come to the conclusion that anybody who went in the water is now alive again. And they're trying to figure out, all right, well, you know what? Let's take action. Let's do something. We got to get revenge. So what are we going to do? And one of the characters, I forget which one, is like, we're going to do to them what they did to us. Robin. Robin. Yeah, Robin's yep. got the fucking game plan. And she says, Rob, did you catch the license plate on that camera? And then the segment ends because Rob's trying to go back through the camera. So as a viewer, first time watch, I got fucking mad. Yep. I was mad. I was like, what? what? I, I want. Yeah, you can't leave me hanging like this. You can't. No, yeah. So we'll return to that. We will return to that. Um, <laughs> we get another interlude from Total Copy where uh, Rory is revealed to have been found on a butte, which is like some kind of geological formation, sort of like a mountain cut directly at the top, or some would say an ancient tree. Uh, <laughs> and then ancient just, tree. No, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go there. Uh, Stammer University is studying Rory, and the guy that's in charge of this study is Doctor Spratling, and um, he's got this whole team there. They're studying Rory. They're trying to like indoctrinate him into just straight up human culture, and I guess that's mainly through watching aerobics exercise tapes, <laughs> which is the best thing. The old '80s spandex just. Yeah, yeah. It is so, uh, it, I wanted to see like Richard Simmons come through there and be like, "Oh, oh hey, no. everybody!" <laughs> you know, like, and Rory gets up and he grows like a little a little Buffon haircut. And he's just yeah, like, yeah, it'd have been the best. Um, Rory is contained in a small room where they're doing all their observations and testing and everything else like that. And Spratling is convinced that the team is going to be able to eventually break through and communicate with Rory. So he's got a goal in mind. So with that being said, let's cut to our second feature in uh, tonight's film, God of Death, written and directed by Gigi Saul Guerrero. It's a uh, a story about a Mexican news crew that's live on air in 1985 when that earthquake hits Mexico City and devastates the uh, the news center. <laughs> What's this dirty mic scenario that's going on with the, the microphone i forget exactly what the lady said but she's like i think this rick you know what i'm talking about i don't recall no i just no. rewatched there's it. something but it's, i don't i'm not remembering no? it right now yeah she's saying something about this mic was close to somebody else and she's like sniffing it and then licks it a little bit and i'm like oh my god dirty mic <laughs> is nasty um <laughs> and they cut to this uh reporter in the field who keeps getting interrupted by a mariachi group <laughs> yep. also yeah. she's like i'm live right now and they're like oh they, they're <laughs> not having it and the news anchor for this uh mexican television channel looks like kathy bates cosplaying as gary oldman's dracula yeah i can see it definitely in, in my opinion 
Yeah, that's a that's a character there, bro. When I saw that lady, I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and and then and all hell breaks loose because during her broadcast, everything starts coming down. Chunks of roof are falling. Everyone's getting crushed. And finally, the only person left alive is the like I guess he's like the set director, Luis. Uh, he's the only one left. My boy is covered in all the dirt. He is, all the dirt. Yeah, he oh, is. looking rough. <laughs> yeah, had you did so when you had the script in hand for this movie? Did you have any of these other segments, or was it just your segments? Oh God, no! It was just our segments. So this was all a complete surprise to you. Yeah. Oh, completely. And and had you? Oh, this is probably a rookie mistake. Nightclub rookie mistake for for us, not for you. <laughs> I, I didn't bother asking you this at all. Had you even seen any of the other VHS movies before watching this one? Um, no. I mean, I. It's a funny. Like, I didn't know what VHS was when I auditioned, and and I like didn't really know how exciting it was until I booked it. Like, uh-huh. I um knew it was like some cool horror movie, but I didn't realize it was a franchise. I didn't know the love that it had. Um. And it took like my friend being like, wait, VHS is in like VHS, VHS. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? And then we watched a couple of movies together that night. Um, and so I did like watch, I, I shouldn't say we watched movies. We watched like clips of the best segments on YouTube. Um, and I so I like had, <laughs> <laughs> I know you saw that one. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I had like a faint idea of what I was getting myself into, but um was like very excited to also be um among the surprise. Right. And and I I I kind of like that you didn't know what was coming as you were watching it yourself. Like I kind of dig that it was segmented um or compartmentalized rather. Have right. you seen have you seen the Ratma? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen Hell Safe Ratman. Haven? Hell That's the crazy cult one, right? Yes. That's my favorite one. Okay. And ha- did did you watch the one with uh, the the wonderful team behind Deadstream? They did the segment in ninety nine, uh, where they go to hell. Hell bound or something. Uh to hell and back. Hell um, and you back. know, I might have watched that like before I even like while ago, but it's not one that I've revisited. If if not if you haven't if you don't remember it go back and watch it then go watch Deadstream also on Shutter because um, the same team behind that short film made one of the best movies from last year called Deadstream it's a streaming footage horror movie cool. uh, it's so it's so fucking good but uh, okay oh, that's so- a, that's a movie I thought that they made because they wanted me to hate a movie and <laughs> I ended up loving it I loved oh, every yeah. second of that movie. Well, just the whole the whole YouTuber doing something like that. You know me right. and that kind of stuff. I'm usually like, oh, that movie was a friggin' gem. It was just a friggin' gem. I yeah. mean, so, so it, it had no right to be as good as it was, and it was fantastic. Best kind. Exactly. Yeah, I love I love when you can get surprised and shooken. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shook and shaken. Yeah. Shaken. Look, guys. Mamu, again. Yeah. Shook it. Well, shook it's it. Not, I was shook. <laughs> it's not... It's not shaking. Shook it's not shook and bake. It's shake and bake. Remember that. No, shook, shake and bake. <laughs> shake and bake. <laughs> not shook and bake. 
So Louise is like covered into dust and he's like, ah, he's hurting. He's, he's real bad off covered in rubble. And this rescue team breaks in team leader. Javier's there and he's got his team getting them out. They're fucking trying to run, get out of this building. They're, they're going down all the levels uh, through fire escape exit. So everything they're, 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 they're trying to get the hell out. The building starts crumbling down around them and, our team leader Javier gets like impaled or something to where he he's done for and he turns to um Carla the one of the other team members and he's like you got to you got to take me out cuz I'm dying here and this and and for everyone listening this entire segment is in in Spanish so you know my well Evie could probably do it cuz she took Spanish <laughs> at NYU so oh, yeah. <laughs> can you speak can you speak fluent Claro que sí. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donde donde está el baño? Muy muy bien. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. okay. That's, that's another reason why this movie surprised me in such an exciting way. I was like, no way there's an entire segment in Spanish. It's too good to be true. <laughs> um so she ends up taking this massive crowbar. Massive crowbar. Like God's crowbar. More and... of a pry bar, I'd say. Well, okay. Well, can I say though, it, and <laughs> this is this is something that I that it sort of chaps my ass about when they have especially like an anthology like this, and it's going to be in a different language. Um, because I see this uh, uh it seems like more and more often now, they replace any like really good dialogue with just screaming. Mm. Um, and that is the thing that bugged me about, uh, God of Death is that there was so much screaming that I had to stare at the screen at the lower two inches of my screen to make sure that I wasn't missing something being said amongst the screaming because I could not tell. Were you happy um, when they finally started saying a bunch of names you can't pronounce? Uh, like, um, like crazy <laughs> names you cannot, cause I can't either. Well, yes. Miklaton. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's the easy one. Cause they fucking say it a bunch of times. <laughs> I'm talking about the ones that are like, ex blah, blah, blah. And well, yes, because it at least gives you some context because a lot of, <laughs> a lot of their descent through the stairs and then some of the climbing through the rubble and then getting down into the basement basement. And by the way, how many flights of stairs do you go down before you realize that you're like next door to hell? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> but whatever. Okay. Um, but th- just the screaming. And I, I think I've said this before about movies, just screaming, just the, uh, I, I, I don't, it's a, it's just, it's, it's sad and it's lazy. And I, yeah. and I don't, and I don't like it. I think, I think so much could be done with that. And if you're going to sit, if you're going to make me sit and read a movie, give me something to read. Okay. Don't just yeah. give me screaming. I mean, and, and I know enough Spanish to be dangerous so I can sort of keep up. But when it becomes just screaming, then it's like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Right. So it was like, come on, guys. I, I think they, I just think they could have done better. Okay. All right. Well, that's that with the dialogue. But how about the imagery? Because let's get to it. Homeboy. I'm a I'm a big old fan of Aztec and Mayan mythology. So Uh uh, my ability to pronounce the names and such. Is it fair to you? And I apologize. But I'm also really feeling this one. I love this segment. You scared the shit out of me just now when you actually said that. And I don't even know if you're right, but it sounds right. He's right. Oh, oh, no, no, Mikleton? that one again, the one we heard a thousand times, yes, but he oh, said okay. the other one perfectly. 
And then there's like five other ones that I don't there have. Re- you only get it once. Yeah, he okay. can just call. Oh, I'm not he, trying he, to he teach you pre. <laughs> I'm not trying to teach you pre-Spanish Mayan language. Okay, okay. Bro? I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, All he right. doesn't teach that shit for free, Travis. Come on, call that's up. right. Couple Everybody of bucks. Everybody go watch fucking Mel Gibson's <laughs> Apocalypto. We'll all learn. <laughs> yeah, that movie's dope, man. It's God damn. That's one of my a, favorite films. It is a 10. <laughs> um, so after Carla takes out Boss Man with the fucking pry bar, uh, <laughs> from, from Megalodon, from Megalodon, the, the Megalodon <laughs> pry bar, Megatron yeah. pry bar. Yeah. This guy dies hardcore and holy shit. I'm like that pry bar is going to come into play and it does. It's a mainstay from for the rest of the movie because the rest of the crew go downstairs. They have a funny moment where um Luis is like they're all crawling through this like crawl space and Luis is just farting in this dude's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they all start laughing together. And I like that. That warmed yeah. my heart with farts. It yeah. my heart was warmed with farts <laughs> at that point. <laughs> you do like teamwork don't you you are a fan of teamwork i'll give you that i like it i like it i like when everyone can have a good time in a a, a time of duress it's fun farts are fun let's all live in a simpler world let's live in a simpler world where sometimes farting is funny farts funny man farts are funny get over it yeah funny funny. universally funny funny for all times (laughs) all times they get down to this level where they end up seeing these walls with crazy artwork and and um carvings and the skulls the skulls are so good it's just so sticking out of the rock those are so metal good. yeah the set yeah, design uh, right here is same. chef's kiss yeah mm-hmm. yeah without um, a doubt for a short film for a short film to put this much attention to detail into the surroundings yeah like I, i'll go with what travis said chef's kiss totally it was just mind-blowing now what is this god's name mictalon 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 Something like that. I'm trying. I'm trying. And Mickelson. Mads Mickelson is down Mads there. And Mickelson. he he, <laughs> yeah. he, is, he possesses Eddie and um Eddie fucking kills Miguel. These are other characters that are in it. And then um <laughs> Well Mickleton Mickleton is the place. That's the whole thing. Mickleton is the place. And the character itself is something that I would not even try to pronounce on my best day. The actual, okay. the actual being, the god. Oh, not, yeah. Okay, I will just here. I just because so you don't think I'm no, nonsense in you. Where's no, that? I, I believe you, bud. No, 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 no. Try to say it the way I try to say things and fail here's all our, the time. Here's our chat. <laughs> that's if you look in the chat. That's the word. I that's at least the, try. Yeah. McTillicultie. Yeah. Cut. The Cutlass Supreme. Yeah. Cutlass Supreme. Yeah. yeah, that is the god of the dead and the king of Mikleton. Okay. So And look, I'm not hating That's a fucking name there, but I like I, it. I'm yeah. just um like I nuts. don't know what to do with that shit on the end, yeah. to be honest. I, I have a degree in Spanish and I don't even want to open my mouth. <laughs> okay. See where <laughs> see we all thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No I mean one, we no all feel here. better. And 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 it's not for lack of trying. We're not we're we're not hating. It's just it's beyond us. It's beyond us. Exactly. It's, it's it's too ancient and powerful. I blame the Spanish. <laughs> I blame the Spanish for going over there and destroying their culture. Yeah, so, you uh, know, sure. straight up. I was I was just going to blame our general lack of ignorance, but we can blame the Spanish too. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> let's, 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 Gotta blame someone. 
<laughs> After all the heart, there's heart ripping. There's other possession. Carla gets naked. She gets she naked. She get naked. She getting naked in there. And naked, now she, she is worshiping That's this. Movie. Best part of the movie? Is that? <laughs> no, I was just excited about it. I don't know. No, oh, I was not, too. You, okay. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> I mean, nightclub, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. Is it is it fucked up to say on my part that the gun violence, not necessarily because of the guns, but because of the intensity of the situation and my excitement over the gore effects and also later the everything having to do with the devil's reject scene that y'all fucking make happen. Um, <laughs> we're getting there. And also all the fucking Scott Derrickson dreamy dream kill dreamness. Yeah, those are my favorite parts of the movie. All those things are my favorite right. parts. Carla getting naked is a bonus, right. a very, a very well earned, thank you, ma'am, bonus. But wow, this movie did a fantastic job as far as portraying this chick worshiping this god out of nowhere, killing the the last surviving guy, and then you see this god just jumping around here and there and i won't lie this is kind of the part of this short film that i just kind of was a little bit i was like this is too internet you know scare me static suddenly someone's in front of the camera screaming at you type thing so and and i'm gonna say a movie like sinister which is scott derrickson again uh who i was just giving props that 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 final scene where mr oogie boogie is just in front of the camera he's like in the camera yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, a fan of that kind of uh, jump scare, so it's but, just not. But my a thing. lot of the other stuff in this really gave me Evil Dead vibes, like when shit started popping off and people were getting possessed. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally! Yeah. yeah, old world sacrifice. Read from a book. Uh, you know, have a totally. have, yeah, conduct a, a little ritual thing. Oh no, totally. And I think, but I think the whole like like her getting naked was like a piece of that, right? It was just like. <laughs> Shedding sure. all, shedding all the worldly prohibitions and doing all right. that, and then just mowing the town on the heart. I mean, that it just it felt it was for me. It was the strongest part of that whole piece. Where like if if it was the most visceral and the most like felt like oof, like this. Is, I got we're getting deep. I got mad. Jason goes to hell vibes when she was gnawing on that heart. Yeah, for sure. Hardcore. I didn't, I didn't go there, but I can see it. I can totally see it. Yeah. It that's not, it's not where my head went. It just went, it went to like purification for me. That's where it went. Like, just like, I need to just shed all these things and just be like, Grindhouse take yeah, this. Bro. That is purest when he's chewing on a heart. Yeah, bro. Uh, that's still Get somebody's beating. heart, bro. Uh, some days. Well, you need I a heart. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys keep talking about visiting here and I can tell you what, only one of you is driving back. So I'll get you a heart, uh, dude. <laughs> you can <laughs> get me a heart. heart. By 3 well, p.m. I'll get yeah, your heart. By 3 p.m. Yeah. I'll get your heart. Yeah. What a heart, dude. Yeah, Ricky Ricky is the Amazon of body parts. So that's fucking great. <laughs> I don't even want to no, know. I just, I wanna, I just, just quote the big Lebowski too much. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think we just, I don't want to be involved in any investigation later. So let's just cease that shit right now. <laughs> I don't even know that guy. I don't even know him. <laughs> after everything comes to a close, after the fucking slaughter down below in the underworld, um, we go back to the surface and our news reporter from earlier that kept getting interrupted by the mariachi band is saying that today, September 19th will live in infamy. Um, and that's the day of the, that, that Mexico city the earthquake. earthquake. Yeah. So and there was some, and there was some real footage in there too, of the actual day. Right. So, and that's, yeah. and said, yeah. 
So well, it's both. It's both. It, but taking that, like taking the real footage right. and putting it in there, I think gives it that sense of realism. But I Some think it gravitas. also gravitas. Well, gravitas, but I think it also does a little bit of um, paying paying homage. You yeah. know, like this happened. Yeah. You know, and I can always respect that. Like it's yeah. you don't shy away from what actually happened because it actually I, happened. You know, that was my biggest problem with the movie Sacrament. Right, they didn't pay enough homage. Ty West. They based it on Jonestown. But but not on Jonestown. And I'm like, I think that's kind of disrespectful to the people that actually died there, man. Yeah, all them cool If you're going to do bush. it, then do it. Right. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Evie, yeah. uh, after watching this scene for the first time, like when you got to watch the movie, what's your takeaway from um, this God of Death sequence in the film? Um, I mean, like I said before, I mean... I was just so excited to be in a movie where there's an entire scene in Spanish. It felt really um, exciting and new for VHS, especially, but also just um, doing something different with um, language that can't necessarily be like to be like take place in a whole other part. Like that sort of like foreignness to something is a different layer of watching something. And so trying to like see it from that lens, I think was um, an added experience as well. I also agree that like the attention to detail was uh, absurd and it just made the viewing experience all the more enjoyable, but yeah, overall I was just like, let's go. A segment in Spanish in VHS. Um, oh yeah. And in the same movie that I'm in, like it's it's too good to be true. What what let me ask you this. What did you think of the, the actual effects for the god? Like the 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 thing I can't that we none Miklatan, of us can pronounce. Yeah, Miss Mikutla Supreme. What did you think? Yeah. Um I mean I'm just like pretty much always impressed when you're able to convey that it's not something that like i've had to do like acting against something that's not fully there or like like it's sort of like it reminds me of like those clips you see of people like rehearse or not rehearsing but shooting marvel scenes where they're like in some weird bodysuit and just in a vast um space and it's like you're just like working off of something that um like, so I just see it from the actor's perspective, you know, of just like, holy cow, um, like the impressive effort that goes into making that come together in the final film is pretty awesome. As a performer, yeah, you're looking at it like, how the hell did they do that? Right. And wondering like, okay, what's that like? Okay, interesting, interesting. Right, right, right. I look at, I look at stuff like that too, and practical effects, visual effects, all of it, even though I'm not an actor – um, I sometimes try to go to those levels while watching a movie just because how Grindhouse said earlier, we don't watch movies the same way that most people who are just going to the movie theaters or sitting at home watch movies sometimes because we have a little bit of knowledge of the industry and stuff. We'll watch movies from different perspectives and try to see like, how did they put that shot together? And yeah, horror movies, especially I would say horror and like action because a lot of special effects go into that too. You try to like think about how did they accomplish it? So I will say this is probably um, not – well, this and the next segment are my two least favorite segments, but they're not bad segments. Uh, like I was saying earlier, like they, I think there's no weak segment in this movie. 
There's no weak short film in this movie. But this one and the next one we're about to get into are just, they just, they're not the ones that grab me the most, but that's not yeah. to say they don't have their badass moments. We we go back to our total copy interlude again, uh, David Bruckner doing his thing. And at this point, Rory has displayed the ability to mutate and to start to copy and resemble somebody else that's part of the scientific staff, Dr. Grayson. Or um, Gary. Oh, Gary. oh, it's Gary. Gary, that's right. Poor Dr. Gary. Grayson yeah. <laughs> leaves the uh, the the team because she's pissed off yeah. with how far that uh, sp- Spratling is taking things. And you see um, interview clips from her talking about their, you know, trepidation or at least her trepidation with with pursuing this this uh, experiment. And I'm going to say blah, blah, blah for most of this because it's kind of just a little bit of more building. But yeah, the payoff for Total Copy is is right. coming. It's right. coming. Uh, our next segment is titled Techno God, spelled like uh, Grindhouse. How'd you call that earlier when we were pre-show talking about this? Uh-oh. Oh, no, we lost Grindhouse. All right, he's going to be back in a second. I wanted to ask you this earlier, just as a movie buff, because some of my favorite movies that are not horror movies, because I'm not just a horror movie guy, neither okay. is Rick. Um, like, I love the Rocky franchise and the Lord of the Rings franchise big time. So what are some of your favorite movies that are, like, not horror? Like, what what's the inspiration? Damn it, that was a good question for earlier that I totally skipped, and I, now I might have to chop and move way oh. to the beginning of the episode. What inspired you to be an actress? I mean, um, my mom. I come from, it's, I, well, I can tell kind of a funny story related to this. Um, my parents are both artists. Um, my mom met my dad auditioning for his student film. Aww. And now they work in nine to five corporate America, but really raised us with the values of artists and had us in theater at a young age. Um And they made a feature in their 20s when they were young and in love and competed in film festivals with it. And it constantly lost out to Blair Witch Project. It was the same year. And so they called Blair Witch Project the Blair Bitch Project. (laughs) That's been my, like, version of horror, like, found footage. And so I feel like very, like, I've... I've made it. I'm like my parents' enemy. Like I'm what they didn't want or what was beating them up. Or you have redeemed them. Beautiful. That's even better. Right? Like through found footage, your spawn has risen up. Wow. (laughs) That's, yes. I'm taking that and running with it. Yes. Next family holiday dinner, you come at them (laughs) with that and be like, you know, that that Blair bitch project might have fucked y'all up, but it's now... Through me, we're gonna we're gonna come back strong. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. But yeah, I guess in terms of acting, it's always for me. It's always been like musicals. Like my like, favorite like on screen actresses are really uh, extreme. Like like Emma Stone. Like I adore her. Um, but I've always just really been inspired by Broadway and um, seeing live theater and learning how to translate that to film is a whole different thing. 
I dreamed a dream in time gone by. Exactly. You get it. <laughs> I, I love Les Mis. And I, oh my you know, God. I'm going to tell you a little story from New York, but I do want, I do want an answer to that favorite movies besides horror movies question in a okay. second. If you, Thank if you, you will, I sold Anne Hathaway a cigarette for five bucks. Five dollars. I didn't want to, I didn't want to sell it to her for anything. She insisted I take her money. She was, I was doing, um, pest control at this event. And they they had a gala thing happening upstairs, and some guy came into the kitchen and was like, who here has a cigarette? Anne Hathaway needs a cigarette. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I do. Can I give it to her? Well, that, Straight that's, up. That's like, the thing like, I said. I said, I got one. Can I give it to her? I'm not giving it to you, motherfucker. And and so <laughs> I got to meet Anne Hathaway. Um, I also got to meet Edward Norton, but that's a whole different story. Wow. So I got to I got to meet her for five bucks on her wow. account and one smiggy on mine. So no no well, big deal. Twenty years twenty years from now, the same thing will happen. It'll be heavy, but it'll be a twenty. So look at it that <laughs> way. You know? I'll so, be like I'll be like, You remember that time you were on the nightclub? My back hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and she and she when she will just say, No. No. No, I'll pull it out. Yeah. What what's your, what what's your favorite movies besides my, horror movies? Yeah, um, my all time favorite movie is All That Jazz. Um, it's oh. like Bob Fosse. Um, I could watch it forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, before that, I was like obnoxious and fourteen, and it was La La Land. Awesome musical, right? Um, and also like. I love the revitalization of a movie musical, just like as an entity in itself. I really respect what it was doing, but I think if there's like one like ultimate comfort movie that I can go back to forever and ever, it's the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, oh you're a Wes Anderson fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Me too. Big Wes Anderson yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, huge, major. Um, have you Moonrise seen Asteroid Kingdom City? Maybe a close second. Sorry. Oh yes, of course. Okay. Um, I saw it in theaters. It was incredible. I loved it. It was so like those. I I just noticed those weird things he's been putting out on Netflix. They're like forty minutes, like children's stories. I haven't seen this. Um, oh, they're like I. They like there was no, no press behind them, no announcement whatsoever. Just showed up, and I was like, "What is this?" and He's directed two new things that are out on Netflix right now, but super random. But yes, Asteroid City, adored. Um, I also love Scarlett Johansson as an actress, and so mm-hmm. it's a treat. The only thing I haven't seen from Wes so far, and I know, shoot me, but it's it's. Well, please don't, Ruth. Uh, is uh-huh. is uh, Budapest Grand Budapest? I have not seen yet. Oh, it's the really, only, Budapest is so good. It's the That's only a one. wild one to be missing. I know, I know, and it's just it's it's there. Like I've seen Rushmore, I've seen uh, yeah. Isle of Dogs, yeah. Darjeeling Limited. I saw in theaters, Moonrise Kingdom. I saw in theaters. I just haven't seen Grand Budapest yet. I'm sorry, Ray Fiennes. I'm coming for you. I'm gonna see it eventually. I just haven't yet. But it's I love, ten, bro. I bet, mm. I bet. The I only love... one I haven't seen is um Steve Sizu. Oh yeah, Life Aquatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go for it because it's 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 so good. It's not it's not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but it's a great it's all his movies are great in my opinion. I love his style so much. So to find out that you're a, you're Royal Tenenbaums, mm. damn 
Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and shit to find out that that is your comfort movie is amazing to me. <laughs> I love Wes Anderson. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just makes you feel good. Gwyneth Paltrow in that movie too was like my like teenage angst inspiration for years. <laughs> the eyeliner and the cigarettes in the bathroom with the fan on. Like I was like, yes, yeah, she gets it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Love okay, it. well, oddball, oddball homework for our future big star who after today probably will never speak to us again. And oh. we understand, we understand, we understand. I, I won't. I'll, I'll hold, I'll hold a grudge. Oh, as yeah. you should. I, I would never <laughs> do that. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't hold, I don't hold grudges. There's no point. But have you, have you seen a movie and you don't even have to answer if you haven't okay. see a movie oddball musical called Anna and the Apocalypse? No. Okay. That's your homework. For future big timer, while you're waiting for the the perfect role, tack that one in, and at some point, let us know what you think because I I got chills. Yeah, they're multiplying. I I closetly love a musical. I will never admit it, but I closetly love a musical. Uh, That is one that I know. I know all of the songs too, and catch myself singing them to myself in the car sometimes. You know what? So, I haven't seen Anna and the Apocalypse either yet. Uh, well, you should put it on your list because I've been. Told. It's it is so it is such a crazy like it, it's a movie that doesn't actually make any sense except for it makes every bit of sense it needs to. And on top well, of that's that, a description. Well, on top of that, it's a musical, and on top of that, what's the main theme? Anyone help me here? An apocalypse by any chance? A zombie apocalypse. It's a zombie apocalypse musical. It is, and it's well produced, well acted. There's some things that maybe could be fixed, and I I don't even want to argue all those things. But it's so great, and it has it has some people that you will know, some people that you've never heard of before. But it is so good, and and just for the icing on the cake, it's a Christmas movie. I've Love been trying. It. I've been trying to have a musical break out this entire fucking episode. No one has noticed. I tried to do West Virginia Mountain Mama. I tried <laughs> to do uh, Les Mis earlier. I just tried to do Grease, and I'm losing all control. You want to know my favorite non-horror movie? It has to movie? hit, Travis. Because the hit. power you're supplying, uh, uh, Travis. Okay. It's Travis. electrifying. <laughs> yes. You want to know my favorite non-horror? I want to sing with everyone. Yes. What is it? Oh, brother, where art thou? Well, that is an amazing. Also, I would say semi musical. I was gonna say, eh, yeah, that that, yeah, that one will get me singing. I am a man <laughs> of constant sorrow. I seen yeah, trouble boy. all my day. I've not seen it, but it is from my Minnesotan men, so I approve. Ooh, yes, it is from it is from the Coens. The the greatest living filmmakers alive, in my opinion, uh, right up there with Quentin Tarantino, in my opinion. I'd say up there with Scorsese. He's mine. So very, very. Oh well, you can't mm. go wrong with Scorsese. Cannot. No. Cannot. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree. Cohen's are up there for me. I'm looking forward to um, what's their new one? The Blood Blood Flower. What's no? That's a yeah, horror movie. The- Killer of Flower Moon or whatever. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. It's got it's got everybody in it that he's ever worked with. It seems. Exactly. That's <laughs> why I love them. They're so yeah. indulgent. It's like if capital M movie. Like you just like <laughs> sit back and 
Well, but Absolutely. that's what that's what makes them great, though, is because exactly. they just do what they want because they can. And if you don't like it, I don't really give a fuck. Exactly. And that is what makes them be. Well, the Irishman was the same way. A lot of people right. was like, it was overindulgent. It was too long. It was this. That, and like, no, it wasn't. Did you it not did watch exactly that? What it wanted to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's well, our that's our hashtag. You watched it wrong. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag. I was bored. <laughs> um. Anyway, fair <laughs> enough well, on that one. <laughs> I I'll watch it again one day because I'll be fair to that movie. I I couldn't make it past like the first 30 40 minutes. I was just like in it and it's probably a me thing and and Grindhouse and Ricky will attest to this. I've said a million times if you're not in the right mindset or mood for a movie, it's not going to work even though the movie right. itself could be awesome if you're oh, sure. not ready for that movie. Yep. It ain't gonna. It ain't gonna hit you. Oh, we've all I, said it. We've all said it. I've. I said this. I said this with Skinnerink that you love so much. It took me yeah, four me times. It took me four times to watch it before I came even close to where you were about it. But I'm okay with that. It took me four times. That's fine. But I also you know? do agree with hashtag people watched it wrong, and I think yeah. I watched it wrong. So yeah, you did. You watched it wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. And watch hashtag it right. I was and I was bored. <laughs> yeah. Watch it okay. right, boy. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. you go. So all right. So next- no homework. Homework. I, I, homework and the, and and the, the apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah. We I, know. I want, I want to, I want to report back. Oh my God. Just oh because, God. <laughs> well, and, and I say that only because it is literally a musical that gets me like, like I, I've cleaned gets my house. Going. I've cleaned my house to listening to the music on that. Like, <laughs> like I, that's sexy, Ronos. <laughs> and it's, well, but, but it's a musical, but it's, but it's told from the high school level. So it's got a pace to it that's almost, it's almost frenetic. Like you almost can't keep pace with it. It's happening so fast, but that's what makes it so fun. So if you ever in the, if you ever need to clean your house, put on your headphones and put on the soundtrack to that movie because your house will be clean in like an hour, like sparkling oh, fucking I'm, clean. <laughs> I'm picturing you in like some slippers and a house coat, oh. just fucking swiffering everything, bro. And uh, I pictured him like Tom Cruise in cocktail, just. Jumping into the fucking scene with well, his fucking okay. shirt. And shit. Yeah. Okay, so so you guys know me, so this will make sense. Slippers, sweatpants, and an untucked t-shirt. Yes, think about that. I'm ready. Think about all those things. That I'm all happens when I clean my house. I'm coming out faster now. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? I will. Yeah. I will get an extension cord out and have it ready for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, Techno God. Um, our next segment in tonight's film, and it's spelled how Grindhouse. What is this uh, an it, allusion? It is spelled T K N O G D. Techno God. So, I saw a couple of things. I saw how we shorten everything. I think I think Techno God is more about today than it was about 1985. So I saw it as how we acronym everything. Mm-hmm. We acronym it. But I also saw it as like a mid eighties license plate on a Ferrari. The novelty like a, license. A, a vanity plate. Yeah, yeah, that's how I saw it. And it was like and it was only like the third time I think it was the third time I saw it that it was like, that looks like a fucking vanity plate. And I'm like, it, so it like it kind of made sense. But I, I think this one is more about today than it was about them. But they take some shots because they take some shots at today. Yeah. And the shots I just love. I love the shots they take. This film is uh, written and directed by Natasha Kermani. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, and this is a performance artist named Ada Lovelace who is doing a show for the small theater group. 
and she's explaining to them that they have killed the old gods like Jesus and, and Allah and Buddha. All the old gods are dead now, and we have replaced them with a new god, the god of technology. And she shows us this demonstration video where this this guy is – um. <laughs> <laughs> he is Jason from Night of Something Strange. That's what Jason from Night of Something Strange would grow up to be. Listeners know what I'm talking about. And this boy is like, I'm sitting here. I'm drinking my virtual coffee, and it's lukewarm. That's how I like it. And I'm just sitting there like, brother, no. Stop yourself. <laughs> just stop what you're doing. But what, is his, what is his apparatus, though? What's he using? He's, He's using his... His techno glove, but it's a power glove from Nintendo. Is well, but, what it but, is. But then, what does he? What does he put oh, on his face? His iPhone. <laughs> his, yeah. his iPhones. Yep. Very, very clever writing, and I agree with you, Grindhouse. I do think they are taking shots at today based on the verbiage that they're using. But in this in this movie, Ada starts to like don all of these modern technologies in 1985, and she is trying to summon this digital god of technology on the digital plane and we get what is truly a one person art house show like she's speaking into the mic and squealing and there's echoes reverberating and i'm watching it and this is second time watch travis first time watch travis was desperately waiting for something to happen second time watch travis is appreciating the nuance of what this short film is doing and what it's trying to um, not display. That's not, I don't know if that's the right word. That's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be fucking articulate right here, but she basically starts to perform an incantation that summons the God of technology. And this thing shows up. And we've already made the jokes on the Discord. Oh yeah, very lawnmower man. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, lawnmower I man want... slash sort of dollar store Tron. Yep, I yeah, want. It's great. I want Job to show up and start fucking her up the same way this thing does. It looks like the <laughs> thing from Samurai Jack. It looks like it does um, look like Aku. Him. Aku. Aku, right? Yeah, yeah. I am Aku. <clears throat> well, and... but she keeps. Well, but she keeps talking about how come your God won't answer my call. Mm. That's what she that's what she keeps repeating. Your God does not answer my call. The voicemail is full. That's why. Well, but I think <laughs> but I think and this is a me voicemail box has not been set up. <laughs> well, the God of technology know, cannot be reached. <laughs> you guys know how I I think a lot of things are a metaphor for today. You guys bust my balls about that all the time, which is fine. No, it's a metaphor um, for life. That's what we bust uh, your balls about. Uh, that's true. That's true. So I'm going to go with a metaphor for today and how, yeah, it's like your guys not answering my call. And that can be anything that could be, that can be a number of, a number of retweets or a number of likes or a number of responses or whatever else. And, and how it, the technology, as you use it, it replaces the the contact that you have with regular people but then when you when you don't get it, you get desperate and you're willing to go to any lengths to get something that feels like a response. Um, and again, this is my the fourth time. And this is probably the time that I really got that. I'm like, you know, like I I think I finally understand what is being said here. Um, and like I said, going from like what I see as a, a 1985 vanity plate on a Ferrari 
to the making fun of the iPhones to definitely making fun of the Nintendo power gloves that we had at the time. It's all like an escalation of technology and how if you break it really down to the end of this short film, all of these things have given us accessibility and have given us the world, but have not made anything better. Nothing's better. If nothing else, we're more distant and more alone than we ever have been. I like how deep you you took it. It's deeper than I did. Um, (laughs) even well, no, and (laughs) well, but 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 I do I do appreciate the thought put into it. Um, honestly, because I didn't think of it that way. And if I like watch this movie again, I'm going to try to see it through that perspective. Um, and and Evie, I want to I want to get to your thoughts on on this short film. I want to wrap it up a little bit though, so we can get to um the next one real quick. So, um. Ada is trying to find this god of technology. She does summon it. It looks like Aku. Wish it were Job, but it's still dope. It's still dope. And it starts attacking her in the digital realm. And how Homeboy says he could taste his lukewarm coffee, this thing can rip her fucking legs off. So we get some cool gore effects. And the audience in this small, very small studio that must only have like 20 seats available is watching this destruction of a human being happen on stage she is being like levitated and i'm a levitation fan but this ain't quite the same she's being picked up in the digital realm so she's levitating in our realm and the realms are crossing now they're they're real she gets flesh ripped off of her body she gets just decimated and finally when the cameraman goes and and pulls her iphone off of her face her skull and her her brain has infused with the technology and her human eyes are l- mm-hmm. looking everywhere and it's like there's nothing left it's a she's a husk of herself and the audience starts the small golf clap that becomes a big yeah, oh, yeah, yeah! and everyone loves it cuz they think it's performance art but it's really that this chick got decimated by the fucking technology god Evie, what did you think of this scene? Like not seeing that, not knowing about this movie and then seeing this, this piece and that fact that you're a theater actor too. Right. Well, performance yeah. Art has to. No. I mean, honestly, it was just a little too, <laughs> it hit too close to home. It was a little triggering in the sense that I see a lot of experimental theater that, um, <laughs> feels, uh, like I wish I could leave and like something <laughs> crazy is happening. Yeah. Like from the sense of like the people in that audience watching that shit happen. And I guess in the end, they're convinced of it's, um, valor, but yeah, I, I see a lot of bad theater in New York, um, which I love. I love seeing great theater and I especially love seeing bad theater, but, um, I just found it comical in that sense that like it did sort of play with the, the experience of being seated for experimental theater and being like, okay, I guess this is art. Um, I'm just going to go with it. Um, And so I I totally, I totally appreciated that. And then, no, but I also really appreciate the deep dive into, you know, like, like I'm being a metaphor for today. I, you guys commented earlier on that. Like I'm like hard to find online and, that's like with with reason you know I do think these days it's like pretty impossible to not like value technology to a certain level and I've struggled with that so much in the past and so it's been like a very conscious choice to try and step back from that in my life um and so this segment really just sort of reinforced a lot of the ideas I have about 
how toxic it can be. I love that you correlated that with though the experience and, and maybe that's part of what this segment was supposed to, to give the, the viewer is the experience of you're going to see something that's clearly experimental and is it, is it good? Is it bad? That's up to the viewer to decide and to put you, the Royal you in the uncomfortable position of having to judge good art, bad art. It's all subjective. So, you know, who's to say, but the fact that it can even make me feel that too, is like, I'm, I'm sitting there like, Whoa, you're sitting there as someone who's well more versed in that world than me. Um, cause, cause you actually have been in plays and done, you've <laughs> done, you've done the goddamn thing, you know, and, and, and a, a one person show is different than a play. I, I, I concede to that for sure, but it's, I feel like stage play is, is a unique universe all its own. And, and, and you, you've got, you've got the through line through both mm-hmm. things, you know, like to where, you know, based on your experiences is like, oh shit. Uh, it's like a stand-up comic going to open mic night, a seasoned one, to watch the open micers, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're bombing spectacularly. Like I love how bad they're bombing, and and right. and and I, I like I like that that way of looking at the art form. And there's there's an admiration to it. There's an admiration to it to watching someone, quote unquote, bomb. But they're yep. not bombing. They're just not being received is right. what it more so what it is. That kind of makes me look at this whole yeah. segment differently. Yeah, honestly. Exactly. That's exactly the problem. So I it, it's funny. I, I both agree and disagree with what you just said. And I will say that I don't think that there really is any bad art. I think that there are sometimes at art that I don't get. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that I have to get it for it to be good. But then I look at something like, um, so Abby, you're from Minneapolis. Have, have you ever heard of the Fringe Festival? I'm assuming oh, I've you... performed in the Fringe Festival. Okay. Times. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so is my wife with her ballet company that she created. Oh, nice. Um, and so I have definitely seen some things where it was like, I'm yep. looking, I'm looking around and everyone else is applauding and I'm like, why are you so happy? Like, I don't understand what just happened. <laughs> um, but Why are at the you same, not confused? But at, this, but at the same time, I've been to things, say, like the Twin Cities Horror Festival, where I've seen I've seen a horror production, and I'm the one guy standing up going, mm. and everyone else is like sitting, and I'm like, what? What are you guys stupid? Like, do you not? Did you not just see this? So, I, I mean, the perspective is the perspective, and for me, at the end, I'm always going to applaud somebody that, as Travis puts it, I think we all use this, goes out and does the goddamn thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it, and this is me, and I'm going to sound crass here, but it takes fucking balls of steel to go out and do it. It's so, it's huge to just do it. To just do it is huge. Yep. To do it well, to do it well, I think is perspective. I think that, and just because we have we have been trained in our society to have this view of what is good and what is not good, and I don't think anybody bothers to stop to think what they think. I think they just go, they look around and go. Oh, everyone else is clapping, so I should clap too. You know, the the people that that stop and go, well, you know, I didn't really care for that, and just kind of don't clap. I think those are the bolder people than the people that just clap because everybody else is clapping. Because I've seen some shit, and I've seen some great things, and everything in between, and doing things like the fringe. Like I've 
done the fringe. I've done it. I'm the bad guy running props back and forth and doing all kinds of other shit. And I got a couple of years ago, I was literally ejected from the theater for trying to film my wife's performance. I got thrown out by some really mad blue haired girl who was like, you can't be here. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) so it was like, what the fuck is going on? uh, uh, Oh, my wife was pissed oh my wife is pissed yeah, I'm um sure oh yeah they take it so seriously yeah they they do they do but i think that's in the end but like when it comes to especially like the performing arts um and even when you elevate something like what we're talking about today and, and what we're talking about today is in effect a little bit of a performing art um yeah. it's just done at a higher more masterful level um i don't think everybody has to get it for it to be good and like i said having watched this four times now techno god is actually standing out as something pretty profound for me like like i and it it took me a minute and maybe i just had to settle down and watch it and get my own personal crap together and just be like hmm, and focus but definitely not my favorite of the bunch but it's way better than i thought it was the first time because i sort of like let it in and let it kind of you know breathe into me a little bit yeah rickle bickle what did you think of techno god i thought it was fun i thought it had some uh cool effects because i like that type of shit and I thought Siobhan Michelle is uh, really pretty. I didn't get into the deep the deep thought about it because I was kind of like, the fuck is going on? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did have fun watching it. Nice. Well, How, but, how'd you like? How'd you like those leg rippings, bro? <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw and I them. thought her suit that she changed into was really cool. Yeah. Once she started like. Once she started putting on the gloves and like that jumpsuit, I just yeah. thought that whole aesthetic was just fucking killer. Next, oh. well, you got a kitty. Oh. Yeah, he's scraping at me. I gotta. What's what's Kitty's name? Um, this is Truman. Oh, from, from the Truman Show. Yeah, that's what he's made. Yeah! <laughs> I love that movie. God damn. Yeah. I feel like that's what this world is. Um. <laughs> Total copy is the next interlude we get, and it's Rory sprouting tentacles and spikes at the end of those tentacles and other shit, and we'll get back to that. So let's return to Mike P. Nelson's uh, grand – he's got a wraparound within a wraparound in this this movie, so that's like unique to VHS as a franchise. We get the Wrigley family who are hosting a celebration in honor of their teenage daughter – Ruth, played by tonight's special guest, Evie Bear. And in this movie, she's walking around with her beta cam, filming (laughs) her family being like, oh, look, there's aunt this and aunt that and uncle this and and grandpa that. And so walk us through My loser ass cousin Lester. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Walk us through the process of of all of, please, like now take over, please, Evie. Tell us what it's like to be, to to not only film the scenes, but then to see them back. So like, like walk us through it if you can. I mean, it's difficult from like the actor's perspective to ever watch yourself perform. It's the same way, like, I don't know if I don't know that you ever even I mean you guys have a podcast so I'm sure you've gotten over it but just hearing yourself but I like there is just like a certain level to like oh it's just like pains me embarrassing right yeah right and I can be 
proud of it or I can be like, oh, this was the worst thing I ever did. No matter what, it will have that sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, this one I am pretty proud of, but um, it still Hell is yeah. you know, difficult to revisit. But um, it really just was such a incredible set. What I loved about it was so many people were local Minnesotan actors who I've seen perform growing up. There are a lot of theater actors, a lot of people who I knew of like different connections. And so it felt very comfortable and it felt like I could commit in the way that I wanted to and that it was, um, I don't know, just like this really like sort of like lovely space where everyone just wanted, was so excited to be there in the first place. Like it was such an exciting um, moment and it was summer and we were shooting in this insane, insane, I think I want to say it's an Airbnb. Maybe it's like a hotel or something. They have a website, but it's like this like pool house in rural Minnesota that is completely like 80s just like construction like they haven't renovated it since 1985 and the wallpaper is authentic and like there's insane carpeting and like the most atrocious furniture so as much as like the set design was (laughs) remarkable and um the team did such a great job on it like the space was like very ready to go. I mean, so many details were added, obviously. Um, but it was just like such a cool space to be able to be in. Um, and yeah, we just sort of like got started. It, uh, there was no sort of like rehearsal process. There was no, um, read through. It was just, you know, like arrive to set and do what you need to do. Really? So it was just guns blazing. Like, let's go. You read the script. <laughs> No, because I'm asking because whenever you walk through the scene, through the movie, it feels so authentic and it feels like someone is at their family house with all their family. And because people are shying away from the camera, people are telling stories in the corner like it just feels lived in. It feels real. It feels authentic. And that's, again, what for a found footage movie for me and I think for a lot of people. We want to feel like it's authentic, and this feels very authentic. Mm. And so when cool. you showed up, you just went, just let's go. Right. I mean, I should backtrack a little bit. It's not as if, like, the <laughs> staging with firearms was not carefully choreographed. Oh, no, not day. even that part. Not even that part. Just right. the beginning part with the family. Sure. Like... Everything was, you know, we had, like, a couple of walkthrough takes before. You know, you have mm-hmm. to hit your mark, and you have to... um make sure you're delivering the lines in at least the realm of the way that they want you to. Mm -hmm. But it's not like we like had rehearsal prior to arriving to set or like um, had any like really specific version, you know, it was just go in and be authentic. Um, It was like, be a family. And um, it helped that we were shooting, you know, long days in this like distant town and so we did all just like hang out between shots and everyone was so lovely and um so it felt like just like kind of a fun family reunion regardless and um so the vibe just sort of was maintained throughout the entire I mean (laughs) it didn't turn dark but it was (laughs) it was a good time on set and 
I think that really does come through in sort of the familial sense. It does. And the fact that like, again, I'm going through it, looking at the film and I watched it again today. Everyone just feels like you're in a snapshot, like you're in a snapshot of someone's life and this is really happening. And this lends to the story so much. And for, for the listeners and, and viewers out there who probably watched this movie one time, I'm sure we all felt like we didn't know that this story at this point was tied to no wake. I didn't know. Right. I had no idea. And looking back on the second watch, I saw the tattoos before you were supposed to see them. I saw uh, them. I saw the, the tattoos and the little glimpses here and there on the wrists. And I was good. like, Oh shit. It makes so like if I'd have been paying more attention, cause something we skipped over in our coverage of no wake is that on the van when the quote unquote, for lack of a better term, zombified kids go back to the shore, they find written in blood on their RV, the seven, the, the Roman numeral seven. And that Roman numeral is a big factor in Ambrosia. Uh, the second part of Mike P. Nelson's amazing short story here. So Ruth is going around. She's meeting the family. Everyone's having a grand old time. We meet Ricky. I mean, Lester. And uh, he's like, hey, what's that, Beta? Yeah. 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 Oh, the best. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Can I try that thing out? Great <laughs> of like, <laughs> So, So you, you hand the camera over to your creepy-ass cousin. He's yeah. following you outside, and you're telling everyone to shoo the fuck away from your truck. That should have been the second giveaway. Again, from a first time watch, I didn't, I didn't clue in. That's actually that... when I noticed. I was like, "That's the same pickup truck, truck yeah. yeah." Stay I... off the, stay off the paint, boys. Stay I off did... the paint. I didn't notice it on my first time watch. Even no. at this point, I noticed it two seconds later when the little boy runs up with the fucking little gun and yeah. shoots it, and I was like, "That's familiar." Yeah. And he he says, "Oh, I got it from the nice lady in the RV," and I was like. Oh, my mind started going crazy. I got excited. I got giddy. I was like, yes, we're getting a fucking second half to this. And I knew who you were. (laughs) I knew you. I was like, it's you. And I was so surprised. I was like, this young woman just murdered everybody on that lake. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when you got the script and you see this part, Tell me about this. Like, where is your mind going right I mean, here? I, it, I'm lying if I don't say that it's an immediate excitement. Like, it is such a meaty, ex- like, vibrant, um, such polar opposites that you get to go to um, while also really leaning into, like, girlhood and femininity that's already, like, you know, fun to portray on screen. Um, and so I felt like... You know, like I could arrive on set and feel like dolled up and pretty, but then also like get really evil and <laughs> like this sort of power that um I don't know, like it it was just like this insane dichotomy that um kind of occurred within me. But I just I thought it was such a like once in a lifetime sort of opportunity to get to like do something this awesome if Mm -hmm. like for lack of a better term um Mm -hmm. like um especially coming from theater you know things are 
way less like practical in effect. And it's um, more, I guess the best way I can think of it is like screaming on set. And, and like, there's like a certain way you have to scream in theater so that it like fits the theater and reverberates the right way. But like, Doing nice. shots where you're just like authentically like screaming um in a movie is like a whole different thing. And it was just like so raw, but so fun. And I think that's what it comes down to is just the role was so freaking fun. <laughs> that's the best thing you want to hear from a horror movie fan or hear as Absolutely. a horror movie fan is that you had yeah. fun. So you you get fucked right here by your little fucking cousin who shoots you with the water gun. <laughs> he he basically sentences you to to death or well eternity. Uh, eternity. Eternity. Yeah. So you get popped by the okay. by the little cousin and it's like, oh, it's not even a thing to be thought about. And that evening the Wrigley family, who I would say is a lot like the Firefly family from the Rob Zombie films. Because yes. this is so devil's rejects to me what happens in this next scene. Y'all are celebrating an old family tradition. Uh, I, I picture country music coming in. What do yeah, you yeah. drink? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. Because the team won. Because the team lost. That's why we drink. And this is a rite of passage for the Wrigley family. We're learning as the audience. Um, There's a ritual to this. What's happening right here in front of us is something that's time honored and y'all make allusions to <laughs> people using arsenic brownies. Oh, people, yeah. I love the line yeah. where you tell grandpa, you're like, you were a surgeon with that sickle back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a great line. And so, so, so gearing up toward your, towards your monologue, how did you prepare for the monologue itself? And how many, like how long did it take to, shoot it, nail it down. And, and how, how comfortable were you with doing this? Like, cause you have at least, what is it? Like, it's gotta be more than three minutes on screen of a monologue just going right. It, it's gotta yeah. be at least that long. Yeah. It's up there. Um, it I mean, I don't think that I like necessarily like saw it that way going in. And if I had, I would have been incredibly intimidated, but I just sort of approached it as like, Oh, she's like nervous giving this like coming of age speech. And so I was able to like play into the natural nerves that. But um, you did it so well that I didn't even think your character was nervous. I really didn't even feel her nervousness. (laughs) I felt a total genuineness and I'm sorry to cut you off. I felt a genuineness to your character. No. Yeah. And I think that's probably more what I'm getting at is like the like raw sort of vulnerability and like importance and like being able to like. I don't know, the same way that, like, you're able to just, like, find those moments in the character where you're like, yeah, it feels like this time that I said this to that person. Um, and so I I was able to sort of, like, segment it so that, like, I wasn't, um, you know, revealing too much too early um, and sort of constrain anything too demonic um, in her early dialogue. But... I think that the monologue didn't feel too much as like a monologue because it was like so interactive. Like I felt like 
my mom was next to me and like this chorus of family was right in front of me and we were all playing off of each other the entire time um, that it just became so natural. I think we shot it probably, I want to say like six or seven times, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, that was one of the takes. No, no, that was one of the takes that wasn't too tricky. I struggled a lot because as a theater actor, I sort of, um, like, sink my teeth into notes and feel like if I'm not getting notes, I'm not doing a good job. I'm not necessarily achieving what the director's vision is. Um, and I sort of delivered the monologue one way and kept going and kind of kept building, but I never subtracted or changed. And, um, like afterwards, I, obviously Mike was like, you know, great. Like I liked this choice a lot and, um, such a phenomenal director. It was really, it's like insane to work with him, um, in a great way. (laughs) I mean, um, in itself, like the monologue just wasn't too intimidating because of, I mean, also what was to come later that was far more intimidating to approach as an actor. I I have to ask because this is the thing that struck me and I don't, I don't know if this was on purpose, if there's something that you do as an actress. And even if you know that you're doing it, um, when I watch anything, pretty much um, one of the first thing I notice by people is their eyes and what their eyes are trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout this entire piece, your eyes were telling a story that was a beat and a half ahead of the rest of the story. Now I have to ask, was that on purpose or is that just your gift as an actress? Because, you know, when the, when the kid hits you with the squirt gun, there's this moment where you look at, you just catch it in your eyes where you're like, you can, you're literally saying, what the fuck is going on? And there's another spot later where you're gathered on the whole family and you haven't caught quite gotten your monologue yet, but you're like, everyone's going to die. You can see it in your eyes. So, I mean, was that part of what you were trying to do? Because that is part of what honestly struck me and made me just go like, wow, like you're, it felt like you were talking to me, like just to me specifically and trying to tell me, Hey, this is going to get worse before it gets better. So you better hang on. So, I mean, was that on purpose or is that just part of your gift? I mean, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, I think a lot of it was intentional. A lot of it was um, afforded to me by such a great script. And um, I mean, I can even point to specifics like that moment when the family is leaving and I'm sort of like saying goodbye to everybody. And um, the uncle comes up and is like, oh, I didn't see the RV. And I kind of like look into the camera. Um, Yes. Yes. That was that was directed by Mike, I think, in the moment. Um, The one before that that you mentioned with the water gun, that was in the script that she has that moment with the camera. And then the one before the shootout where I sort of like look into the camera and smile, Mm -hmm. uh, like that was a, that was a me decision. And I will (laughs) take that to the grave just because that was like one of the moments where Mike was like, you know, that was a great decision. Like keep that, keep doing that on these next takes. Um, And so it was sort of this thing that was written in, but then like naturally built as the character became more familiar. But yeah, I also think that it also 
probably comes from being raised with like YouTubers and watching vloggers and like always like feeling like that sort of like connection with the camera. Like I did feel like that was my scene partner was like looking into the lens of the camera um, and sort of like hearkened back to like random like YouTubers that I've watched <laughs> growing up as a as a Gen Zer. So um, are you are you a fan of James Rolfe or Doug Walker? I don't know who either of uh, those people. Angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic. No. Damn, that's YouTube okay. shit. All right. Well, that's, that's older old. YouTube. Yeah, but you, that's, you like, know. <laughs> that's like that's like old man YouTube stuff. Yeah, like, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, kind of YouTube, bro. yeah, I know. Well, okay, so it's interesting to me because because those moments where I, I saw I saw what was happening, I will also say that they did not as much as it felt like you were talking to me, it didn't look like you were looking at me. Like so, Good. it was it was supernatural. It was not like Good. you stopped and went into the camera. It was not like that at all. Right. It was yeah. more just. No, it, was not, it was not. Hokey it was a moment. last smile though. That yeah. last smile yeah. really got me. I was like, yeah. Thank but you. it was, but like, it was a Look. moment. It was a moment, and you had to catch it. And if you didn't catch it, you missed it. Right. And I, and it was I think, so quick. Yeah, and I think that's what made it like com- be completely natural and just be like you kind of do a double take like. Okay, I think she was, and again, it sounds stupid, but it's like I think she was trying to tell me something there, and I just yeah, that was that was what I loved about the performance. It was so profound to me. It was just yeah. What was... you're finding out is that you're the Mia Goth of VHS eighty five. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it's so... true. It's true. <laughs> My yeah. goodness, we can never go that far. No. Oh no, we can, and we will on the nightclub. Like we will stand out. Ruth is the character of the movie Aww. that is Ruth the best. Yeah, stands yeah. out hardcore. She's a blast. Yeah. Um, I think she's like <laughs> I don't know, so wild in all the best ways. And like that's what I of course, that's why this, ex- this entire experience was so surreal because I was able to play this character who is such a once in a lifetime opportunity and in a franchise that loves it, you know, like celebrates it the way that it should be. Yeah, it's really rad. I do. Uh, y'all want to know? Y'all want to know who my second favorite character of this segment is? I do. It's not lame ass cus- cousin Lester. He's my third. It's Grandpa. No, my it's... second favorite character. Yeah, bro. That's that's Taunt Carol with the arsenic brownies <laughs> and the AK ball. She pulls out the AK ball. Who wants a brownie, bitch? Yes. I... <laughs> well, yeah. Let's get, let's get to it then. Let's 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 get dive ahead. So after um Evie's character Ruth gets poisoned, poisoned by the gun from her little cousin, she goes inside, she gives her great monologue, and oh. this is where we learn that this family is fucked up because mm-hmm. their tradition is not a bar mitzvah, it's not a quinceanera, right? It's not none of that. It's that they murder seven what? people. <laughs> and you, well, you well, are you they took... fucked up or are they enlightened? I, I think up. there's, I think there's a fine line. She, she took it a step further. Besides, she's like, besides photos and all this, I took a video, and she went to this fucking random gas station, found this RV full of fucking fun kids that we saw from No Wake that were just going to have a great ass time, and now we get what what I assume is what your day was on set shooting in yeah. Wisconsin. Right. Oh my God. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. Mm-hmm. So your day in Wisconsin <laughs> was going up to that tent, yep. killing, killing that that those lovers in the tent, 
<laughs> you murdered love, and then, <laughs> and then, and then you murdered a boat full of innocent people, ruthless. What can I say? <laughs> awesomely, by the way, for this yeah. film, this is this is. Well, this is unironically hashtag tremendous. This is a tremendous fucking scene to find out at this point, especially as a viewer, that yeah. this segment is tied into the first and how it happened and to see mm. it from the other side and that it was a celebration of this cultish family that is. Oh, I see. I, OK, so. Oh, go. Physically... Oh, no, I'm agreeing. I just love the description. <laughs> OK, OK. So this cultish family that is going out and murdering seven people to fulfill their their ritual as a family like when like you come of age passage or something yeah yes yep. mm-hmm. this is this is not your bar mitzvah this is not your quinceanera this is not your pair of khakis you got no, that's seven. where i was going in my head too <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, it's not your fucking khakis <laughs> yeah you gotta murder seven people man Donnie Darko would have came back from the tangent universe and he'd have killed everybody there. And then, you know, I'm just well, trying just to the, tie just everything the, into it. Yeah. But just like the side comments, I mean, and especially when she starts and she's like, well, instead of going through old pictures or even pulling out the slide projector and it's like, <laughs> I know what a slide projector is. We had one of those when I was a kid and it was the lamest fucking thing you could. I mean, but we're then, from Mamu. We had that yeah. too. Did you really? Yeah, yes. Man. Yeah. Okay. Well, the viewfinder is not a slide projector. No, view, it's not that. It's okay. Not no, the that. slide projector um, is I, I, what our biology teacher dissected a live crawfish on in front of everybody. Yep. A crawfish. You guys didn't even get frogs. You got crawfish. No, we got, no, we, we had got frogs. dead frogs. We had okay. dead this, frogs. This lunatic of a woman <laughs> dissected a living crawfish in oh, front of just, us. Miss Cinevive didn't give a shit. You already know. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. We had different classes. We had different classes, different grades. Ricky's a little bit older than me. Yeah. But we had the same (laughs) teachers. We had the same curriculum. Trust me, Mamu. Yeah, Mamu. (laughs) Well, so getting into the presentation of the video, which is awesome because she brings technology to the family, like technology, right? Yep. Um, But then if you listen to when the video is playing and you listen to all the comments, yeah. And I it's like, it. and it's like, is that? They're your all like, dad's? oh, yeah. every time she shows up on camera, <laughs> yeah. it's the best. <laughs> but they're very specific. They're very specific. One says, "Is that your dad's thirty odd six? Yeah. And one of the uncles is like, "You'd never know it wasn't your first time." I mean, all just right. like, and all these things, and it's just like, it's so brutal, but so like. That's what a family would do. They would it's, celebrate. It's, con- it's kind thoughts. of wholesome. It's kind of wholesome. It's like it wholesome is. and yeah. fucked up. For mass yeah. murder, it's as wholesome as mass murder can get. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, wholesome. Can, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Wholesome, <laughs> ma- macabre. <laughs> it's macabre and wholesome and everything, man. Like, so you you present this to your family in this scene. I'm saying you like it's actually you. <laughs> <laughs> but for the nightclub tonight, it's you. You're it's ruthless, you. girl. Ruthless. Yep. So. I'll, oh, my God. I'll take it. Yeah. And, and so your family is seeing this. They're enjoying it. They're enjoying your killing spree. And you took everyone out. And then we hear the cop sirens. And now the movie shifts gears to, like I said earlier, oh. devil's rejects. The family is coming together. They are going to ride or literally die. And you take out Ricky in this mm-hmm. next scene because your yep. lame ass cousin Lester 
He, he's like, I can't do it, bro. I'm just, I'm, I just can't do it. He's yeah, a sorry. decent, he's a decent human being. And you're like, well, fuck you. But I don't know. He's a, you see that he's haircut? being a real communist think. about it. No, <laughs> I don't think he's a, yeah, I saw his haircut. I don't think he's a real joiner type, if you know what I mean. He, he, he was something, something of an outsider. Dude, his <laughs> hair was dope. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no, that was not. Me and Lester would have been friends in high school. I'm just saying. Yeah, that was, yeah man. That yeah. was, uh, well, and Evie might get this. That was Moose Lake, Minnesota hair. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely Moose Lake, Minnesota hair. That sounds really discriminatory for Minnesota, I guess. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it. It sounds it to a Cajun. Um, no. So, y'all, Moose Lake and them Minnesotans. And uh... <laughs> they had it coming. They had it coming, I think. Right. I think we could. Yeah. Right. So, so now you're at the shootout where it's your mom has told you. You have, don't it, let him take you alive, right? Don't don't let down the family, uh, family strength, pride, all that. Yes, and yeah. word, and so and, and that's when she does the smile, looking at the camera. I think yeah. because I think because she knows Lester's about to about to wuss out. Did, was that, <laughs> that's was what that, that's the feeling I got? You oh, she seen. gets to she gets to take care of it finally, like right? Because I think she knows oh, that Lester's not going to go with it. He's the one holding the camera. Huh. Okay, so we're care- we're talking about it as viewers. We're not going to ask you yet. So, I know. Yeah. I'm- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I didn't know she was ready to murder her cousin, as she does. Uh, murders her cousin straight up, but she also is ready to not get taken by the cops. And some level of anti-authority, rebellion, little got bullied midget in fucking elementary school, Travis Boone, who finally stopped taking that shit in middle school. Yeah, bro. To this day, respects that fucking fuck you attitude. Yeah. Fuck you. You're not getting me, bitch. You're not getting me. And I'm going to get sure. you first. And if I can't get you, I'm going to die first. I like it. I respect it. I get it. That's oh, sure. who used to got fucking for guy. sure. They were like, "Hey, you little bitch!" <laughs> yeah, Travis. On the oh yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you? What are you gay? You little short boy. Oh yeah, yeah. all the yeah. time. That's, that's what they used to all the time. Quick interjection: My mom watched it, just like a little bit of it, and she was like, "Just, just call you a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's, that whole scene is fantastic, and it's so it's well. Great. Honestly, it's so well shot. So good. It's so seamless that you know, as she's in the room, she shoots the cousin, and then she's sitting there and she's prepped, and the, and she's just popping off rounds, and the cops coming in. Like you can, I mean, in my head, I can see the rounds like go through her body, and she's just like, boom. And then there's that little bit of kind of haze and a little bit of uh, frazzle, and then there's like a paramedic, and all of a sudden she wakes up and she's like. Holy shit. And then she's like, I'm guessing that was a paramedic and she smokes the paramedic. And yeah, then it's like, yeah, it's back to battle. And then the pistol under the chin, the 45, the just, yeah. the, you know, the 1911 under the chin. I mean, that is the military movies. A lot of anytime that you have. And honestly, it's kind of a staple of an older character taking care of themselves. Like, like in Scorsese's The Departed, whenever the side character, uh, uh what's his name? French Bob. He's yeah. like, fuck French. it. Yeah. And, and right. he shoots himself. Yeah. I said French Bob. Why? Because also, Bob from French SLC Bob. Punk. It's, it's Frenchy. Yeah, French His name is Frenchy. Uh, but yeah, the French. 40, the also 45. Day of the dead. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah, but the man. 45, the old seven shot standard 
1911 from World War One is such a I don't know in my head it's anyway, a beautiful it's, firearm. Well, they're absolutely beautiful, but it is such a staple of an older person's fight. We're some gun nerds too, and, don't and, us, but I also I like old, hearing this this perspective. Yeah. They're basically the Punisher from the first Punisher film. Uh, I am not. They had 1911s. Well, he, he had 1911s. He did. He had yeah. He had Wilson combat. I, yeah, but he shit. definitely. I'm, not, I'm gonna stop talking. He definitely <laughs> voted for Trump. So no. Um, <laughs> anyway, but just to see that scene, and then it's like just boom, and then it's like there's like blink. It's like a two blinks of an eye, and she's like wakes back up, and then it's like, ma'am, ma'am, come on, and she's just fighting and fighting. But that's when you know that our original water skiers really got their revenge because yeah. she's going to go to prison for life but never die. Yep. That is such a hard pill to swallow because, I mean, even like I think and in my doing so, she lets down the family. Yep. Well, exactly. So she's disappointed everybody. Yep. And I think that's hard. But for me, I think the worst part for me is knowing that, okay, now I'm going to go to prison for life, but there's going to be a point and there's – there's another horror story. I'm not going to tell what it is. There's another horror story that talks about this where a person has been in prison and somebody finally looks on and goes, hasn't this person been in prison for about 127 years? Shouldn't they be dead by now? And it's like, you're going to go to prison and you're never going to die. And it's like, rough, but it's, it, it's a, it's a hard pill for me to swallow. Imagining that you've been caught. There's nothing you can do about it. But you're, I mean, being alive forever is one thing. Being alive forever in prison. In a cage sucks. Oh, Definitely. Travis, why are you so surprised that I said the Punisher voted for Trump? Why are you surprised <laughs> that I said that? You were like, what? I'm just, I'm trying to not be, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to be political. I, know. <laughs> I don't um, vote. <laughs> we're ruthless. How do you feel that your character at this point has betrayed her family? unbeknownst to herself but she she has failed her family she's immortal your family thinks you didn't die and you're in jail you failed i failed what are you doing now are you gonna or what are you gonna do in prison i mean i think they're just gonna have to make a sequel <laughs> yeah. vhs that would be cool. 85 ambrosia yeah. part two exactly yeah. it'll It'll have to be on it's a VHS one show from a prison cell. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be VHS two thousand eighty five, and she'll still be in there going like, "Hmm." So now yeah. we need to pit your character against Jason, who's coming back. No, 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 no. Check it, check it, check it. <laughs> so it's it's basically like her, but it's like cell block ninety nine, and she's just in there fucking everybody over, bro. Bro, like bad. Yeah, I want them to make that movie. That sounds fun. I want you to fight Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I want her to kick Vince Vaughn's ass. <laughs> like, not at first, like, cause like he's a big scary dude, right. but he just can't kill her. And no, she he, just keeps coming and he's he, tired. No, and he, he can't fight her no more. He becomes her Mickey. He starts training her and he's oh. like, he, he's like, he's like, you gotta catch that little chicken. <laughs> you gotta smash he, this Honda Civic to pieces. Yes. You got to smash that Honda Civic. I can't do a good Vince Vaughn. He just sounds so robotic and plain in that movie, but I love that movie. Uh, Brawl on Cell Block 99 is dope. Have you seen Brawl in Cell Block on 99? Uh, Brawl in, okay, you got to watch Brawl in Cell Block 99 because I'm telling you, it's a god. It's a, well, 
I'm not trying to give you the homework. I'm not saying it's homework, but but I'm saying I'm recommending right. you this movie. Right. Unlike yes. homework, just no, if you ever feel like it. watching it, watch that fucking Zaller film because Zaller is a great yeah. filmmaker, and he makes great movies. Bone yeah, Tomahawk. A, yeah. Bone yes, Tomahawk. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those. If you come home from work and you've just had a little bit too much of the piss bums for the day, watch that movie because this will this will put everything into perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Starting out out of my back pocket. Okay. Okay. So this Ambrosia scene, let's let's get let's get let's get past it for a second and go to our total copy interlude. Um, Gary, one of the scientists. uh, Well, I guess we already touched on this, where he was being fucking like imitated or whatever. So they're having a big ass problem. That one line. Gary doesn't want to see it again. That, <laughs> that, like, that oh. got me. That got it got me. me too. It got me too. I, honestly, I wasn't even feeling this wraparound. No. Like, uh-uh. like honestly, it's my least favorite segment. But that line, because that line his good. face when they say it. <laughs> I will admit too, this the, the wraparound is kind of my least favorite thing about the movie. Which is unexpected but... based on the director because I love his yes. work. Well, yeah. I was gonna say until the end, until the end for me. Even even the end for me. No, man, the end for I me like does it the very very end. I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So after this interlude, we get to our final scene in the film, our final movie directed by Scott Derrickson, our boy that did Sinister, our boy that did fucking um. Oh my that god, one. the black phone. I'm and, that one other movie <laughs> that we know nothing about because well, one of our yeah. Discord members is infinitely passionate about Snap is passionate about the black yeah. phone. Yes, Snap, Snap also woke me up to the fact that this is a tie-in to that movie. I didn't even know that until yeah. Snap told us. Oh, yeah. Snap That's is true. the biggest Snap black phone us. fan of all time. In the world. In the whole world. Ethan Hawke, you owe this girl a visit. Oh. I would yeah. say he. Be- I would say he better watch out because if he ever disappears, we know where That's he went. That's true. Snap might snap <laughs> might hurt him. I don't know. He owes snap her. Might have him That's in the basement her. or something. What What do you call that? A tea A tea party. A tea party. What? Yeah, I think I think Ethan Hawke and Snap should have a tea party. Yeah, okay. just a good old yeah, fashioned tea party. That. Yes. Oh, they yes. just sit down and discuss. As long as it doesn't end with pinkies. Ethan Hawke chained up in the basement. I think this. Yes. I think if they have a tea party, it's the only way it won't end with that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so maybe so. <laughs> so this is a home invasion movie again, set from the point of view of a killer, and immediately on the onset, the killer goes into this woman's home, and she can be heard calling nine one one on the phone, and the killer finds her while she's on the phone and proceeds to tie her up with duct tape, slit her throat with a fucking electric knife. He slices her eyes open with a straight yeah. razor, like. The vi- the visuals in this are on the same jarring level as no no wake. I mean, it's it's oh god, yes. brutality beyond belief. But but common common to today and common to um however you want to describe it uh the memes of today because you know what her name was right? No, her name was Karen. Ah, so Karen, <laughs> Karen so, got her. Come I mean, up so it's... that that made me. Well, I mean, she did and she didn't, but it made me. It made me snicker a little bit. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's killing a Karen. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's okay. 
after the police arrive at the house, the lead detective, and I, I want to mention, like, like you got some heavy hitter actors in this role, in these roles. You've got yeah. James Rinsone, you've got fucking Freddie Rodriguez, like, you got some big name actors in this movie, in this short film, and uh, lead detective Wayne is talking to his partner Bobby about this murder scene and how he saw a videotape of it that came into the police station a few weeks prior. And he's like, this is the same shit. It's exactly the same as the videotape. And it, and, and this is what's intriguing about this to me. And I'm going to be honest with you all right now. I think No Wake Ambrosia is the most intense story. I think Dream Kill is the most intriguing story. I think this is the most thought-provoking, insane, cerebral mindfuck of a story in this in this film overall. It's just so well written and so well put together, and I have it's to get the atmosphere for me. Mm-hmm. It's just the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere. It's the fucking sound design. It's the level of gore. Yeah, that was just like that yeah. Fulci shit. You know, I'm into that Fulci shit. But when that razor goes across the eyeball, yep, love yeah. it. Well, it breaks Beautiful. down. It it breaks down into a good who done it. I mean, and you really can't. You can't argue with a good who done it. No, I mean uh, those are all. It, so. It's it's a it's a basic human like. It sounds like a great it, mixture of amazing things: yeah. atmosphere, storytelling, who done it. Right. Like it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's, everything. It's that, a everything. Right. After another video gets sent to the cops from again the killer's point of view, where he makes his way into another home and he's fighting this guy inside the house and cuts off his fingers and the killer Beats is the brakes off of that boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he he whoops his ass pretty hard. Bro, ain't gonna lie, he's peeling off a piece of this this guy's leg and his cutting of his chest open and i'm like god damn I man i don't even know what that means ricky but it's hilarious beats the brakes <laughs> off that boy <laughs> they don't say that over there no he, huh? he, no. It's, like, it's basically uh-huh. saying he fucks him up fucks him over bad oh yeah that I must hate- just be a louisiana thing bro he beat the brakes off of that boy Wayne's oh. explaining to Bobby that he's already seen this footage as well like from a few days ago so he keeps getting this footage received every fucking time so finally the cops are like fuck it we're gonna surveil where this footage mm-hmm. is coming from and they put up cameras and they track it down and they capture the person who's putting these tapes in the mailbox and they bring them back to the fucking interrogation room and it's and- totally me from high school <laughs> me too. Me no too. Oh, it's me too from oh, high school. Yeah, I, I mean, saw I had, you in high school. I had a G- yeah, like, I didn't get away with this. It was me. No. It was me. It was I me didn't too. paint my face oh, white. You're not. Yeah. You're not the guy. You're not the fucking singer from the Cure, right? I guess I'm not. <laughs> you're not that. Well, it's, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Our I was guess, still kind it of might embarrassing. Have, <laughs> it it might have been. So, it, for, from high school, was that was that a little bit you too, Evie? Were you a little bit? I mean. <laughs> No, but I just, no. <laughs> I just, but, I mean, <laughs> okay, just, okay, you were, so you were, but you were, you were too, you were too cool for that kid. And I totally get it. Most oh, girls, no, no, most girls were definitely kid. too cool for us. I was a theater kid. I was, it's, that's not at all what I mean. I'm just, okay. I've always been very like into mini skirts. Okay. I'm going to say right okay. now, Gunther, the character we're talking about, the goth kid who's decked out in goth regalia is the kid I wish I had the guts to be in high school. I wish mm. I had the guts to express myself presentationally 
the way this kid did because that's how I felt in high school. But I looked more like a. I had a purple fishnet long sleeve shirt in high school that I would wear oh. under my stupid school uniform. You were a scene kid. You were a scene kid. I was in high a school. weird little scene kid. You had like, a school uniform. Punk. Yeah, oh, we had yeah. a school uniform. Yeah, they made us wear uniforms. So, so just out of curiosity, how often did you have to go home because your skirt was too short? <laughs> um, only on the days <laughs> it ended with a Y. Okay. <laughs> we we also we also got told not to wear trench coats to high school, and we we were trench coat guys. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we had our own things in Mamu, but this kid Gunther in this movie is the goddamn best. He is Robert. I can't think of his name from The Cure. But it's Robert something. Uh, he, he's the Pattinson. weirdo. No, he's the weirdo <laughs> Tim Burton kid. That <laughs> that um, was a that was a sparkly vampire. Just for I know he was the I opposite of this kid. The total I know. opposite. And well, not really, but yeah, he was not super opposite. Okay, no, no, oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> it get, it gets found out through interrogation that he's been receiving these visions. And it's through these visions that are recorded on tape that he's able to give this to the police because he's trying to stop a murderer. The police don't believe him. His father doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. His father, right? Quotation mm-hmm. marks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want everyone to notice my Dr. Evil quotation marks yeah. right there. Right. Um, the tie-in to this movie is that, yes, Gwen from the Black Phone is, in fact, part of it. And where we are in this film is that Gunther's father is revealed to be the murderer. So it's all tied together. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. It's funny because the first time I watched this, I, I mean, like, I first of all, I didn't catch the connection. So that confused me a little bit. And I was trying to figure out how Gunther was, like, getting these tapes, right? Um and because my mind is what my mind is, it's like, does does Gunther have like an RCA jack for a butthole and he just like plugs in and like downloads <laughs> his stuff? Like I just didn't get it at all. Um and it wasn't until the second time where it was like Well, that's what you do. I well but but it wasn't until <laughs> the second but I mean, but that's what you get for like even for a second not paying attention, right? It was just like so it left me with this thing like, well, how did that happen? I like I don't but I think it's also why the first time I saw it, I was like you left me with too many questions. I don't like this. And by the second time, it was like, oh, okay. Well, that was my fault. I wasn't paying attention. So it made it right. yards better. Like, okay, now I get it. Thank you. Not gonna lie, I, I do love some ambiguity in a movie, though. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, well, sure, sure. This, this sometimes it works. Sometimes it don't. This particular right. movie, I, I was, I was happy enough that I was, and, and I'm not judging anybody i'm just saying like i was watching it and i got it from i was paying attention to it as it went and and i got it as it unfolded and and it's not always the case with me it's not i will have to sometimes watch movies two three times before i finally get what the point of it is trying to say but this first time watch i was watching it and i'm like oh my lord It, it was a puzzle piece and Scott Derrickson really built a cool story here that he perfectly fleshes out in this very short running time and gives us a lot of characters, character development, plot development, just everything, atmosphere, gore, everything. Dream I kill. like the way the – go ahead, my bad. No, it's fine. I was just – Dream Kill is fucking dope. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I love the way the other cop was like, like when he confronted him, the way he was like trying to come at him as a friend and be like, dude, like this is your chance to tell the truth and like do the right thing. And like, motherfucker shot him up. <laughs> <laughs> and just Straight out. I was like, damn. Well, I mean, every, every second. Every segment in this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this it might not be a palpator, every segment except for the interludes was supremely solid. The interludes, I'm I'm four watches in, I'm still not a fan. And I don't exactly know why. Um it just it doesn't grab me. It just doesn't grab me and make me care. But okay. this last one, like I said, once once I watched this last one the second time and I I got that little connection that was oh so important. Um, yeah, this one was fantastic. And to be perfectly honest, you take, you take Gunther, you take off his leather jacket and you put a jean jacket on him that every semi artistic kid in the school gets to draw on, gets to do their design, gets to do whatever else. And I wore it for two fucking years. Um, and to the point where it was like, my mom was like, okay, this thing smells like somebody died in it. It's time for it to go away. <laughs> um, so like, I totally got that piece of it. Um, and to your point, Travis, about like having the, having the balls to be who you are and like let the whole world see it. I think, I think for both Gunther and I think for his father being the killer, I think they're both saying the same thing. Just be who you are and have the balls to have the world see it. Um, Oof. but just Gunther understood that what his dad was doing was not right. Right. You know, you don't get to be a judge, jury, and executioner of everybody. You don't get to be. You can have your thoughts. That's fine. But you don't get to be the final sayer. We have a, we have a system for that. Um, no well, after, judge, Judy, for you. After exactly. Bobby, after Bobby kills his police partner, he goes into the house to commit the murders from Gunther's dreams. And at the police station, Gunther is looking through the camera in the interrogation room and he plays back his dream on camera. So his father, Bobby, shows back up and he's like, he's dead set on killing Gunther. But Gunther's like, I've seen it back. You don't kill me. Then this movie goes bonkers, ape shit bananas, and a yes, police scene shootout breaks down where I'm like wondering as the audience member, how did you expect this to go? You're going into a police station as a murderer trying to kill your son in the fucking police. So but he's managing to take out everybody but finally gunther is that motherfucking <laughs> guy and he takes Ooh, his dad out he, he shoots his dad in the head hashtag gunther is the man yeah. tremendous tremendous <laughs> hashtag tremendous i understand exactly what you're saying travis and there was a piece of me that was like boy this is a little over the top but at the same time um i all can also see where it's like there's a sentiment these days and it's not necessarily a positive thing. And I'm not going to say that it's not deserved or undeserved by one group or another. That's not my place to do. I just wonder how for someone who's in the business of trying to retell these stories, how does something like that go over? Mm. Yeah. Like how, like, would you like internalize playing that role? Like as a, like a police officer? Well, more uh, thinking about a scene like that where somebody has to go up and, and shoot up a police station. And then for a lot of us, what a police station. I, it, I, it, I see. Um, like what it represents. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's pretty horrid. I think to me, like 
it doesn't feel from an actor's perspective too different from a shootout in a family setting like what like what what happened in ambrosia like i think like when it comes down to it it's like really about the technicality of like operating the firearm and doing justice to the story um but like i do think that when they're like more charged or like have more significance to them um or more myriad routes of interpretation i do think like it becomes like fun as an actor to um do your job to portray the script the way it's written um and you know observe the reactions afterwards but i don't necessarily think that it like really charges the like the the performance in a different way what did you think of the scene overall like this dream kill sequence yeah i found it so satisfying like almost like watching like a criminal minds episode where like you're like yes there is an <laughs> unsub and then like, it's checked and like you figure out the clues and everything like goes back Fuck like yeah like it was just so like watchable um but it, i also like really loved this one because i was terrified during it like i actually found this one to be very scary um and it's very disturbing and fucked it's very up. visceral man it's right. just so gnarly right um and so feeling that uh, i i think i felt that especially during this one um during my first watch overall like throughout the entire film i was like this is the one that like has like struck the most like profound of like a horror chord in me and so oh yeah uh, my yeah. wife left the room for that one. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, nah, let me know when this segment's over. Right. Right. <laughs> How'd you feel about this, Ricky? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I'd say it's tied for my favorite with the No Wake Ambrosia storyline. Very dope. But like, like we were saying, this is right up all our alleys. It's got, yeah, it's got the fucking atmosphere. It's got, the fucking gore it's got the mind-bending story yep. it's 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 got it all and we finally get our uh total copy epilogue where rory is becoming unresponsive to his team uh that are studying him dr spratling is pissed off and not 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 wanting to accept that this <laughs> is the end <laughs> finally the team of scientists gets basically um they're like the thing at this point, like the thing is happening in their fucking studio, their, their observation territory, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what to call it, but this alien is shooting tentacles out everywhere. This unknown entity is trying to collect host bodies. It's killing people down to the last one. And this is what Dr. Grayson was warning everyone about in previous uh, interviews is that mm-hmm. this shit was going to go sideways. And the final payoff of VHS 85 is that Rory, the thing we've been following this whole movie through our fucking interludes and from the onset, the wraparound is <laughs> it got all these dead bodies together <laughs> so it could perform some jazzercise. <laughs> if the jazzercise. All right. I just want to put this out there. If it weren't for the jazzercise, then this this whole thing, the whole wraparound interlude would have all been a complete miss for me. <laughs> Seriously. 
That's the only thing that saves it is the fact that it's so absurd. I agree. And uh, I think it's on point and I love it. Love well, it for that. A, yeah, it's so absurd that it, it it basically takes all that they've been trying to teach this alien form and it goes through all these iterations. It's killed people. It's done all these okay. things. And in the end, what it learned was to do an upward hip thrust. That's what it <laughs> upward hip thrusting. That's what it learned about, yeah. about humans. That's what it learned. And it's like, oh my God. Well, it makes it. sense if you think about it. It does. It totally does. It it's totally like, makes yeah, sense if you think does. about it's it. It's that like, cosmic upward hip thrust. <laughs> yeah. But it also, it There's also, there's your the episode same, title. Yeah. <laughs> It makes you it makes you hate your species for what it is. It's like, oh come on, we, <laughs> we could have taught them something better than that. I that's mean, all just, they managed uh, to learn from us. That's it. That's it. That was VHS 85. Final thoughts and ratings. I'll go first. Um, I enjoyed this a lot. The first watch. Second watch brought it up for me. Uh, I'll be honest with that. I enjoyed the stories a lot more the second time. And solidified opinions the second time around. I do, I do want to extend a special thanks to Evie for being on the show for this. And giving just telling us our stories and being a, a new perspective. I want to, I want to thank grindhouse too, for bringing her to the show. VHS 85 for me is probably the strongest entry I've seen so far overall, overall. And, and I'll say straight up like the no wake ambrosia and dream, dream kill sequences are my favorites that I've seen so far next to safe Haven from VHS two. And to Helen back from VHS ninety nine, I I think these are the the strongest ones. I, I I don't know what else to say. As far as a rating goes, I, I'm trying to introduce this new thing where it's like in my head, this movie gets an eight and a half out of ten. When I go to my gut, my gut gives it a nine, and then when I meet in the in between in my heart tonight, I'm giving this a ten. Oh. No, you're not. I'm giving it a ten for listen. This is why. Hell yeah. No, not, I'm with it. Not every segment I just didn't expect it. Not every segment reaches the levels I want it to reach necessarily, but the movie overall and the fun that I have watching this movie, the fun experience, and we always talk about how fun a movie is on this show. Oh yeah. The fun of it is I undeniably a ten. If I'm watching this movie both times I had a great time and I can't fucking back down from that. Like it's, it's undeniably fun and it's the nightclub and we give shit tins. So yeah, you know what? 
We rate stuff. We rate stuff objectively, not subjectively. Objectively, this is a goddamn ten out of ten. I'll tell you what. (laughs) So that's a ten out of ten from Tebow. Rickle Bickles, what 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 you got for us, sir? On the first wash, I loved it. The second wash, I loved it a lot more. And actually, talking with you guys as it normally does when you actually discuss things at length, either it's going up or it's going down. It's going up for me. I'm sitting at a nine. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting at a nine because the interlude and the wraparound, they just barely squeak by as passable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, what's his name's fault? Not mine. Bruckner. He said, Bruck, Bru- Bruckner, Bruckner saved, Bruckner kind of saved it at the end with the jazzercising <laughs> alien necro, <laughs> necro stuff. But other than that, I just find those scenes so boring. Um, other than that, all the other segments I love to death, Ambrosia, No Wake, and Dream Kill are my favorites. I think those are big time, the standouts. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of the best VHS entries since the first one, in my opinion. Nice. So, all that being said, 9 out of 10, Grindhouse, you're up. I think I've made my... uh position on um no wake and ambrosia pretty clear um and i'm again uh not blowing smoke up evie's ass when i when i say that i your performance was just i mean you were the character in this whole thing that i was just like wow wow that in and of itself makes me happy now is it 10 happy it's not 10 happy um realistic like like Ricky said, the, the movie glue in this, the wraparounds and the interludes, um, were without a doubt the weakest part of this. I, we could have just taken that out and given everybody else three more minutes and I would have been super happy with this. God of Death was the slowest one for me. Um, Techno God actually came up a couple of notches for me, both having rewatched and then talking about it, um, learning a couple of new things. Um, Dream Kill is solid. It's, uh, it's a slice of my teenage years. Um, the, well, it is just being, just being misunderstood and being, yeah, not, I remember not, sending and, and not listening. Um, well, I did, I, well, I did too. And they didn't listen to me either. And how many murders could they have prevented? Um, you know, he knew and, about all the John Wayne Gacy murders. He knew from, well, first if, they, if they had listened, I, wouldn't be talking to you guys because I'd be in prison. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, obviously my favorites are, um, No Wake and Ambrosia. I, I love the intertwined stories. Um, I'm kind of like Travis. When that story ended the first time, I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You're not going to give me more. And I think much fewer steps than maybe Travis into Ambrosia that I figured it out. Um, but it was still like, Oh, thank God I get a payoff here. And it was a payoff that I could never have even dreamed. So getting to the end, my final rating, I'm, I'm hovering between a nine and a nine and a half. I think I'm going to settle on a, like a nine. And it, it seems like maybe I'm not given enough credit, but of the 137 movies I have watched this year, it is the third movie to get a nine or above. Currently, right now, number three on my list for the entire wow. year. Nice. So I am, Dude. Uh, 
and I'm okay with it. I, I, I feel, yeah. I feel good about it. I feel good about, um, what I watched. I feel good about talking about it. I and... gave it a 10 and it's not even my number three. <laughs> Sorry, well, but true. We be giving yeah. them 10s though. Tens I see. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I don't, we be I don't... giving them 10s, but yeah, yeah. They, I don't, they I don't... deserve it. I don't hand out tens yeah. like Halloween candy like these two guys do, but that's no. but no, that's part of when that, they deserve it. That's part of that's, what makes us that's, part of what makes us work if we don't always agree. Our love language, yeah. yeah. Between the so, two of you and what you guys Abby, do in the shadows, what do you think about your own movie? <laughs> <laughs> what if she's like, "Y'all suck. That movie was terrible." <laughs> I'd respect the shit I out disagree, of it. Actually, <laughs> okay. No, I, I mean, obviously, I, I just feel so lucky to have been a part of it. I can't rate it high enough. I think everyone should watch it. And, yeah. uh, it's just, it's just a great time. Hell yeah. VHS 85, no matter what we give it, I can't, I can't hide my love for it. Like, it, yeah, it's, it, it just gave yeah, me, absolutely. It, it gave me, it gave me the, the, the thrills. The yeah, thrills bro. for this year. A uh, 10 out of 10 movie that I just, I have no problems with whatsoever from the wraparound to the segments. I thought it was done fucking phenomenally. So we got a 10 out of 10 from T-Boo, a 9 out of 10 from Grindhouse, a 9 out of 10 from Ricky. And Evie won't, she 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 said, just go I mean, a million it. out of 10. Hello. A million out of 10. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the highest score given so far. Yeah, we've is. never gotten it. We might have to check, 10. but I think that's... <laughs> no, it's it's the highest. We have, we yeah, have, we we've done, some, we've done we had... some 11s and 13s. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's done a million. <laughs> <laughs> so wow, next century, okay. y'all, when y'all come back and listen to the nightclub, that was the highest rated episode of all time. A highest rated movie. So <laughs> thank you, Evie. All right. Yeah, man. thank you guys so, 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 so much. I really did just have the time of my life and um i will talk to you about movies anytime i'm glad you haven't decided that being on a podcast is the worst (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go to techno guy and say embrace the god of technology and then i'm gonna autistically screech into the mic Uh, I'm also I'm also gonna go with Techno God, and I'm gonna say we can all fly like seagulls and talk to dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Stay spooky, and if Methotkin, that Mads boy, Mikkelsen. If Mads the more I, the more I drink, the less I can say. <laughs> if Mads Mikkelsen is on your ass, then you better fucking pass gas. Thank you. Trying to make it rhyme. (laughs) This is this might be our worst sign offs yet. We're just trying. We're just trying. Check out VHS if you have any interest in I'd love to bake anyone brownies. Oh Oh, (laughs) Scorsese.